0: look at us now tip to tip this is our life this is our passion that's the spirit we bring to this show i'm luke thomas i'm brian campbell this is morning combat
1: it's a locked and loaded fully ready to go morning combat hello everyone on this monday the 12th of december 2022 and what a monday show we have for you hello everyone my name is luke thomas i am merely one half of your hosting duo i join you from the capital of estados unidos right here in washington dc joined by a man who was absent friday who was very much missed i have to say he was missed on a friday and had a weekend of his life apparently i'm not sure exactly all the details but i'm looking forward to hearing more it's my friend and yours the king of connecticut it's brian campbell hi
0: brian campbell Uh, Luke Thomas good morning thank you I had a fantastic weekend you know sometimes Luke you do have to uh, press pause on the good life which is you know our award-winning careers everything we got going on to you know get together cousin Mike's wedding there's all these NASCAR drivers there It was a big time party down there in Charleston South Carolina and Luke I was right there in the middle of it okay I didn't miss the fight game one damn second all right
1: I can well imagine uh how much dancing
0: did you do? That's really the most important question. And uh, is there film of it? There is film of it. I should, you know, what I should have, I should have played the video on the show today. We will have a still shot later from the uh, from the event. But uh, on, have you seen this shit? But you know, I, I've been known, Luke, in my family circles to cut a rug, uh, pretty consistently. So uh, you know, it was it was cool. It was really cool, Luke. Dude, Charleston is one of America's um, gems, and I'm I'm very late to the party on finding out that with the history, the culture, the, the you know, everything across the board. And uh, you know, really nice service workers unlike your home city. So uh thank you yes. very much. Uh South Kakalaki for uh welcoming me in so uh so lovingly there.
1: Yeah, the service in the South uh, and the friendliness is is real. Um, so
0: I'm yeah, I mean it's complete either. opposite of the friendliness you showed in the pre-show meeting, Luke, when you came out like an old bitch. But you know, I can put that behind me. Though. I really, I really can. I really can. You know, uh,
1: we'll, yeah. we'll see if you can, Mister. I show up thirty seconds before showtime and then want to conduct business. But okay, neither here nor there. We have a lot of business to attend to, BC, as you well know. A busy weekend that we had. BC and I were in briefly in Connecticut to do some of the previewing for Bellator 289, which we're going to talk about. UFC 282's last pay-per-view. What a weird-ass pay-per-view this was. We'll talk about it. Plus, Teofimo Lopez kind of got a little bit lucky, to be honest with you. Uh, We'll get to the full boxing results as Bud Crawford also fought as well. So thumbs up on YouTube. Please hit subscribe. If you are new here, welcome. We are delighted to have you. We do this three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, live, 11 a.m. in the East, plus all kinds of other stuff, including uh, exclusive sit-downs with fighters, reactions to big events live the whole nine yards i also want to remind folks showtime.com is the label that pays showtime.com give you a 30-day free trial if you like it you can keep it if not you can bounce bc we have a merch store i'm wearing my morning combat polo shirt today i think you got all the smoke on there if i'm not mistaken but if folks want to get more they can go to morningcombat.store and i'm told wednesday is a kind of an important
0: day in terms of that store is that right yeah yeah breaking news from um good old RJ uh, Wallbanger himself, this Wednesday of this week, the last chance to order on morningcombat.store to get it in time for the Christmas holiday season. Obviously, that shows you what RJ feels about the people celebrating Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, but at least for you Christmas lovers out there, this Wednesday, the final day, uh, you know if you're one of our very rare female listeners, by the way, on the DMs, The lovely and talented Mrs. Anderson, Corey Anderson's wife, outed herself as one of our few, very few female listeners. So shout out to the Anderson family there. Uh, If you're, you know, if you're looking to get your husband decked out and look about as cool as Rafian Stotts did during that Bellator pre-fight video package wearing our jacket, go to morningcombat.store right now, but, uh, you know, make haste on that jam so that Christmas morning, you know, good old... uh, Graham Manning out there in Ireland if his wife, who I've been in her DMs too, if she got ahead of the ball, you know, he's going to have a nice Christmas morning MK style. So thank you very much. And Luke, you know, just one last time I know you hit it hard on Friday and I appreciate it. Thank you to the fans, man. I mean, who the hell are you and I, right? Two down on our luck, washed pieces of shit, yet (laughs) we're award-winning pieces of shit now and that's only because of you on the other side of the screen. Right? You, 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 right? I mean, you know, you can put your pants on, but you, right, you, right there. Thank you. Thank
1: you. All true. All too true. Uh, We really really appreciate all the fans helping us win the second uh, back-to-back for us on the 14th annual MMA Awards, but our second back-to-back award for Best MMA Programming. It's the best podcast in this space by a considerable margin, I think. Uh, We do our own little thing. Folks who uh, latch onto it seem to like it a lot, so let's keep going. Um, Oh, and reminder, we didn't even do dead wrong. I don't think we did dead wrongs or fan subs last week, week, BC. So we have a lot to get to this week. Morningcombat at gmail.com is going to be the email to get to for that. All right. With that in mind, BC, we have a lot to get to today. Plus, uh, we'll do uh, DMs. We'll do BC's feces, the whole nine at the end. But let's start where the program starts, if we can, with topic number one. The last UFC pay-per-view for 2022 is in the books. Topic number one, of course, is Jan Blahovich and Magomed Ankalaev. I don't know how to have a conversation about the entire weekend, BC, without judging. But let's start. What do we say about this? It was a split draw, meaning no winner. And of course, this is a big and important fight, not just because it was a main event and it was for the title. Remember, the title was unclaimed because the previous champion had dropped it. This was designed to see who was going to get it. And then the winner of this was supposed to fight Glover Teixeira. We will talk about Glover in a minute because he obviously turned out to be part of this whole story. First things first, A- what can you say about the performances of Ankalaev and Blahovich? And B, and perhaps that's the more important one, did the judges get it right?
0: No, they didn't get it right. What can I say about the performances? Look, they, they, you know, it was a title fight, and these guys, you know, did their best in a largely shitty fight to come out there and try to have moments, and both of them did. The main event, like the co-main event, very close fights. But, you know, Luke, after... Look, this wasn't a spectacular calendar year for the UFC, but damn, was it solid and consistent across the board. But I think we rightfully said, looking into this final pay-per-view, used to be New Year's Eve. Now it's a few weeks earlier. Lack of star power, fight, fights falling apart. UFC, unfortunately, you know, stepped in the puddle and had a had a just not a great night at the office. Uh, this is not Planet Fitness, okay? This is a judgment zone. And the judging here in this case was off. The decision-making, to be fair, Luke, on the overall light heavyweight title picture seemed very off, almost as if UFC was, you know, stealing from Peter to pay Paul, and this draw in the end was almost like, well, that's what you get sometimes for for trying to, you know, panic a little bit. I mean, we could have had, this could have been Glover versus Enkolaev in Brazil next month, and now we have even less clarity, but I don't think it's the two fighters' fault it took this fight a while to kind of heat up. It wasn't the most entertaining, but both had their moments, both established to a certain degree what they do good. And at the end of the day, this was a three rounds to two fight for Magomed Ankalaev. And not only is that BC's opinion, it's seemingly Jan Blachowicz's opinion as well. And Luke, if it wasn't for that third judge uh, in this case who gave Ankalaev a 10-8 round in round five that I just re-watching, you know this morning just could not get behind and couldn't agree with, this would have been a split decision win for Jan, which, you know, as much as it was a close fight, as much as it seemed clear, maybe outside of the first round, which was the closest, that each seemed to have two rounds of their own. I I, I didn't love the scoring. I didn't love the development. I didn't even love Dana's decision to bring in two new fighters to fight for the title. This was sort of an unfortunate ending to a, a largely patchwork card. But Luke, let's first and foremost on these judges... I mean, if, is Jan winning by split decision in a, in a sense where all of us, including him, would have disagreed worse than a draw in which neither man advances to a title fight? Look, I'm having a lot of trouble sort of, like, under not understanding, because it's clear what happened, but, like... Okay, well, what happens if, uh, you say we're going to get into it in a minute, but what the hell happens if Glover and Jamal Hill end up, you know, having a weight issue or end up fighting to a draw? We go further down. We we calling up John Jones soon to bring him in? I mean, in a lot of ways, it's sort of like what a shit sandwich that the light heavyweight picture became. Not the UFC's fault that year he got hurt, but the decision-making afterwards turned out to be par for the course. Unfortunately, these scorecards played all into that picture. It kind of sucks, Luke. Both guys gave good effort. Enkelaios started just a little bit too late, as he seemed to take a while to figure out uh, Jan's strong counter striking, particularly to the calf kicks and all that. But once he did, for the remaining time he had left, I thought Enkelaios showed us exactly who he is. Yes, his hammer belongs in that cupboard. Uh, you know, we can pull it out. Uh, damn, dude. I mean, I mean, what? <laughs> it's like. It doesn't really matter what we thought about this fight. Neither guy's the champion, and other guy's fighting for the championship next. So it's a it's a big bowl of fuck you right now, Luke. Right? I mean, it's just like what the what? Where are it's, we I, it, right it, it's now? A,
1: it's as if they and they never fought. It's as if they never fought. We have no more clarity about the situation after the fact than we did before. Right? I mean, here's the situation. I thought this was a reasonably clear 48-47 48-47 situation. For I sub- two. By the way, it wasn't just one. It was two of the judges. I'm looking up uh, right here. Two of the judges, Derek Clearly and Sal Amato, both gave a 10-8 to Megaman Ankalaev in rounds five. The difference was Derek Clearly also had rounds three, four, and five all with Ankalaev winning, right? So he ultimately was going to win no matter what on Derek Clearly's scorecard. He just got a little extra bonus. As a consequence, it's the it's the Sal D'Amato card that ends up being the 47-47 because he had the first three rounds for Jan. I, I just don't agree that he won the first three. I think pretty clearly he won the second and the third. I thought Ankolayev, frankly, won the first one, to be quite candid with you. Um, I, I I guess none of the judges scored it that way. That's interesting. Wow. They didn't I mean, give look, him it's, a single it's, one.
0: It's fair to say that if you gave Jan the first round, it's not a crime. It was a closest round. Sure. But I thought Ankalayev had done more Clearly, you give Jan credit because he's a stubborn out. He hits hard. He's got great timing. He's got great poise. Rounds two and three, when he came back and established the leg kicks, that's Jan Blahovich fighting right there. But damn, did Ankaliyev turn it on down the stretch and to see Blahovic also be like, yeah, I definitely didn't win it. I'll have to rewatch it. I mean, look, I get it that the judges don't score the fight after the fact. The judges don't know or care if the fighters thought they won or lost. But when you package this with the Patty Pimblett fight, which we'll get into in a second. <sighs> It, I mean, it just sort of sucked. What a wah-wah end. And, you know, is this the UFC's fault? No, unless we're going to specifically critique the decision-making on who fights for a title. But look, here's what I learned about this fight. That Ankula, Ankulaev is the real deal. But unlike his compatriots, and I don't necessarily just mean, you know, Dagestan compatriots. I mean the whole greater Eastern European hammer movement that we're talking about. Separate from... Uh, Money Lion Hammer of the Month for a second. Just these guys that are coming out here. They're well-rounded talents. They're absolutely dominant. They fight like soldiers and, and robots in a good way. I think the difference between Uncle and everybody else who's coming the hell on right now is a little bit too poised and patient. Once he can start going downhill, he's got you. It just took him a while to figure that out. But like we both established, still look like he won 1-4-5, and five. Only he's not going to get a chance to get to get that back. You know what I mean? I mean, Luke, would you have been upset if UFC said, okay, judges scored it a draw. It was what it was. But let's wait two months, three months even, and we'll do on versus Glover like we probably should have originally done.
1: Right? That was the way I thought it was going to go. And we'll talk about Anthony Smith a little bit later as well because Anthony Smith in the first quarter of 2022 was supposed to fight Jamal Hill, which was a good fight. And I think a fight that made sense. And now it's Glover versus Jamal for the title in Brazil, which I don't necessarily hate, especially given the circumstances that we don't even have a champion at this point. But let me say something and push back a little bit about on Kalayev. BC, if the takedowns in the fourth and fifth round, I mean, okay, in the fifth round, Blahovich kind of stumbled backwards more than he got really taken down. So that doesn't really quite count in the same way. But with the top control being as good as it was, we did know that Jan Blahovic was not going to be a threat off of his back. And he got torn up in those first two to three rounds with the leg kicks. Did on Kalev. But the takedowns came as easily as they did in the championship rounds. It's like, dude, why weren't you doing that before? You could even go back and hear his corner saying to him for on Kalev, Dude, what are you doing? Go over there and take him down in the first five seconds. Quit playing around with this guy. They were were furious, begging him, and he didn't do it until too late. I will say this. The judging is weird in this one, not nearly as weird as the co-main, which we'll get to, obviously, here in a moment. So I don't know that the judging is, like, the only problem with this fight, although it is certainly something of discussion. I got to say, as good as Ankaliyev is... Some fine IQ issues to not go for the takedown earlier in this contest. Yeah, we he's even a little mentioned Too it. patient, dude. Way let that patient. hammer go. Way too patient.
0: So, I don't know. Like back to the original question, I sort of rambled out. I want, I want, I want you to actually answer this. Even Jan didn't thought didn't think he won. So right. did did Sal D'Amato, who who? Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's a solid, rock solid reputation. Correct?
1: Um, I would not say rock solid. I would say pretty good.
0: Okay. If he hadn't done what he did, a 10-8 round five, was it a dominant round for Ankalaev? Yes. Was it a 10-8? No. I mean, I, Darren Till, Drikas, Duplessis round one, to me that's a 10-8 round. This right. round five, no. But did Sal D'Amato in some ways do us a solid by going 10-8 in round five, forcing that to be a draw to prevent Jan from winning the championship and then advancing on? I mean, is it is that the best case scenario for us that even though I hate the idea that now two additional guys down the rankings are going to fight for this title. Did, did that, is that a better scenario than Jan winning and no one believing that he won? I don't know, dude, this is yeah. Weird. I really like-
1: don't. I, had, I, had, I honestly hadn't thought much about it that way until you, t- you framed it in the way you did. I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. Cause neither situation is good. Either yeah. you have a guy, everyone sees, I mean, everyone likes Jan on But even Jan was like, I don't know if I won that shit, you know? And then on the other side, you have no champion yet again in a contest where I suspect that there will be some kind of finality because most of the time there is. But yeah, dude, this is not great. And it's not great because you didn't have two bad performances from fighters, but you had kind of, you know, uneven ones, right? Where one guy was really either good in one place or he just wasn't and then vice versa. And then the judges are trying to make heads or tails of this with the criteria that they have. But it's all very imprecise, and you ended up with exactly where you started. Well, who? It, it, n- nothing got accomplished by the main event on Saturday. And Can I we laugh about really, it? That's the biggest issue. It deserves
0: like it. It does deserve like. And this is not like aimed at Dana or the UFC, but it's just sort of like, you know what I mean? You you, you take a few risks, and sometimes. It all It's all shit in the end, and it all falls down. It all fell down on the UFC this this, this past Saturday night. I mean, it did, Luke. It's well, just sort of like... it did, and
1: it didn't, right? Because we're watching it live. I know you were gone, but here was the weird part about 282, man. Through the first 10 fights, they had 10 finishes. I mean, it was on pace to be, you know, potential card of the year territory if obviously the main and the co-main had to be excellent, but it was a good night. It was a great night, and then when they got to the co-main and then the main, everything fell apart. So it wasn't yeah. all bad. It just ended bad. It was a
0: tale of two cities, Luke. And, you know, the the French did great, but, you yeah. <laughs> know. Um, all right, let's talk about that fight between Jamal Hill
1: and Glover Teixeira for a second. And we talked about this, I think, on Friday. You were out, which was that if you just look down the rankings, if you take out the folks who've already fought or are injured or something like that, then Jamal Hill, even though he ranks seventh, he would be the next... Logical guy in line. That's just how the math would work. BC, what do you make of Glover Teixeira
0: versus Jamal Hill? All right, here's the deal Glover Teixeira deserves a shot at the title. I felt he deserved a shot last you know, Saturday night at the title. I get that he, in some ways, took himself out of that event by not being willing to fight on Goliath on such short notice. Okay, he seemed to be, he seemed to have the leverage as a name, as a former champion. They didn't take him up on the idea to rematch yawn on short notice. So staying true to the idea that the belt's on nobody right now. So let's go back to Glover, who's willing, just won the championship, just fought his heart out in the loss to, to Yeri or Yeezy, depending on your stance. Um, I, I'd say, okay, I'm happy that he's fighting for it, but like, I'm not here to criticize anything Jamal Hill's done. In fact, you look at the recent record coming off of his, his his only UFC loss, his only career loss, which was a first-round TKO to Paul Craig in 2021. God, those three straight victories, all by stoppage, two of them by first-round knockout. The names Jimmy Crute, Jimmy Walker, and Tiago Santos are a nice escalation. Yet, did he earn a title shot with those three wins? Hell no. So, this isn't, you know, I'm not here to hate on Jamal Hillman. He's got a sweet jump shot, by the way. I saw him on the court. He's also a very good fighter, But he just got to cut the line and it's such extreme fashion. Now, look, you know, extreme measures cause, you know, extreme circumstances cause for extreme measures. This was that. But this is weird to see Glover now getting to go home against a guy way down the rankings who, while it's not as if Hill doesn't belong in this conversation, has he fully earned it? No. So, Luke, what happens if, you know, a month from now, Jamal Hill is your new light heavyweight champion. Look, it's it's about as weird as I can remember something. It really is. And, and is there a better scenario? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I know they wanted to make this date. They wanted to have it in Brazil. They wanted to have a title fight up high on that marquee. This announcement, by the way, pushes Figueiredo versus Moreno 4 down to the co-main event. Okay, UFC has a history of putting the higher weight title fight, you know, in the main slot. But this fight is... I mean, it's going to feel like a title fight coming in because the title's on the line, but that's the only part of it that's going to feel like a title fight, Luke. And, you know, and it's like if Glover wins, okay, you know, he was just champion. It kind of makes sense. What do we do? We give him Uncle I have next? Do we give him, uh, yeah, I don't know. But what happens if Jamal Hill wins, Luke? Like, it's all it, that doesn't make a mockery of the division, but it's certainly not best case scenario and the timing that we typically go through where someone has to pass a certain amount of tests to get there. It, it It's a shit show at the moment it really is it is and, and 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 i don't say that on you know out of like anti ufc stuff but it's it's largely a shit show at the moment i mean you've got people tweeting what has to happen before john jones decides to take that muscle off and come back i mean the post john jones era which you expect in some ways for the title to switch hands a couple times and oh it has but it's it's been bizarre luke and this is this only this goes in new directions that i never imagined that doesn't mean glover versus jamal won't be a banger that's what they were both about. It's just you you can't tell me you didn't hear that announcement and go, wait, what? Really? Wait, wait what?
1: Yeah. It's the first thing. Okay, I was like, like I, oh. it's, I, "I was actually doing the live show, and people were tweeting me being like, Dana just announced Glover versus Hill. And I was like, what? I mean, how, how was that even? I, I just couldn't even wrap my head around how that was a thing already. And yet I here we are. When,
0: remember when John Jones had to fight uh, OSP for the interim title? yeah I want I, I was there for that one mm-hmm. that 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 was a little bit of like a oh, really OSP right now we're right. doing this but okay I get it. I mean it's John Jones so I get it
1: and then John but, had a very lackluster winning performance which also made it weird right but, I
0: mean I, I just <laughs> here,
1: here's <laughs> yeah. something else to think about BC there's a lot of angles here again I I really think folks I have been high on Onkalayev and I still am high I think he I think he won this contest especially was dominant down the stretch after being hurt he's obviously very talented. But I really go back and sort of question some of his like re- his strategic issue. He had some strategy issues in this fight. Like he did not need to. This fight did not need to look the way that it did, and he made it that way. And I think that there is a question to be asked about some of his judgment based All on right, gun, that.
0: Gun to your head. Is he the best light heavyweight in the UFC right now, or is that? Or do you mind, I is think it-
1: that he is, but I think he's got some adjustments to make to some of the ways in which he calculates risk. Um, yeah. they were not really on point. And this brings up yeah. to my other point, BC, which is what, what I want to spit back to you. Listen, you never want to get into the part where you're you know, you're know, weighing the impossible based on imperfect information. But I will say this. The case for Vadim Nemkov as the world's best light heavyweight, it got a little bit stronger on Saturday. It did. It, it did. got a little bit stronger, did it not?
0: It 100% did. So here's where I want to ask you a question that is somewhat related to that, only due to, due to circumstance, meaning Vadim Nemkov... Just had to go through a tournament in which he was the defending champion coming in. He got no favors. He won it. He won his $1 million. But UFC not necessarily known for tournaments outside of the fact that the promotion was started with one-night tournaments and outside of the fact that very rarely, what are we talking about? When the flyweight division started, we had that cool little four-man tournament. It's very rare that the UFC has dipped into that. They haven't in a while, but they have at some points. I don't think we look at tournaments anymore as like a... Bellator, Bjorn Rebney thing, which at a certain point we kind of did. Bellator's been doing it on the regular, and they're fucking awesome, to be fair. Wouldn't this have been the time with so much uncertainty for Dana and company to very quickly go back into that green room that he talked about during the post-fight press conference? He, you know, he framed it as they all went back there. Somebody threw out the idea of Jamal versus Glover in Brazil, and they were all like, yeah, that's it. That's the one. You know what may have really been the one this time? if they stayed an extra five minutes in that room, looked at the schedule, looked at the rankings ahead of them, and said, look, John Jones is not coming through that door. He's going for it at heavyweight. Yuri Prochatska, not coming through that door. He's out at least a year, career to some degree in question. But we've got a group right now, a a, a parody-heavy group of mixed hammers, mixed in terms of experience and accomplishments, but all kind of about the same. Luke Thomas, why the hell not? An announcement Saturday night of a four, six, eight, whatever amount of man tournament you want, taking these names Glover Teixeira, Jan Blahovich, Magomed Enkalaev, Alexander Rakic, Anthony Smith, Jamal Hill, Krilov if you need him, Paul Craig, whoever you want to do, Ozdemir, whatever you want to do, and just saying in Brazil, Glover and Jamal are going to fight for the interim title. Or don't do the interim title. Just go, the tournament starts in Brazil. Step one. And you're going to want to see this because all these guys are hammers and they're all excited and aggressive. Wouldn't that have been a cool circumstance? A surprise turn in an unlikely to predict situation, which is this division just kind of imploding in front of us? Why not go tournament, Luke? Is that because Bjorn ruined it? I don't think so.
1: I think it is. He's not that he ruined it, but as long as that idea is seen as something that competitors and smaller promotions outside the UFC do to set themselves apart, UFC is never going to want to borrow their idea. If there was a way to like borrow it and then make it seem like they came up with it, then they would. But a tournament, even though they are the ones, to your point, who originated with it in MMA, but that was so long ago, different era, different owners, different company, blah, blah, blah. They're just not going to go with it. I do agree it would bring clarity. It would bring some forced Uh, a resolution to the whole thing, but a tournament just seems very, or even a four-man, I mean, a four-man one they might do. That's what they should have done here. They should have done some version of on versus uh, whoever they want to do it. They could have done a four-man tournament here. I don't want to say the names in that particular order, but you get the idea. Like there was a possibility here. Now they're just kind of having to do the, this is listen, there are strengths and there are weaknesses to the matchmaker model and the matchmaker model where a matchmaker, you know, begins to pick the fights is, I think, in general, the best model. But it has noteworthy weaknesses. And one of the weaknesses is if you get judging that just happens to go a certain way, you can actually get no clarity in your division, no ability to rank, no ability, at the top anyway, to put a champion, a belt on someone, and you end up with this stasis that serves nothing. The matchmaker model can't actually really solve that problem nearly as well as the tournament model can. But here we are.
0: All right, well, Luke... I don't want you to go too far past that. You said no. That's what the other conf- you know, the other promotions do. But what about the Demetrius Johnson, Ian McCall, Joseph Benavides? Who the hell was the fourth guy? I forgot. Tournament? Yeah, but that
1: was pre-PFL, pre-Bellator, returning to tournaments. So is, can't I mean, you
0: say, hey, look, we've been doing this shit since before you guys were even born, right? I mean, to some degree, you can. Is it <laughs> Luke? Is it the fact that the other tournaments? Offer one million dollars to the winner. Is that the large? Is that the <laughs> largest issue that Dana has with this right now, dude? Is that it? it may, it's like, wait, we got to pay more at the end of the shit. Yeah, uh, no, hell no, hell no. Yeah, but no, yeah, may,
1: dude. May, maybe, maybe not. I just, I just feel like they. Uh, as long as here's the difference. Uh, as long as in the modern era where we're, we're living in now, the current times even is a better way to describe it more than modern era because that spans some years. As long as the current times that that tournaments are associated with 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 other promotions, I just don't see them going down that road. You know, I just who I was could the be, fourth I, guy I, in you, that it's tournament. A good idea, Luke. but
0: who was the first fourth guy in that flyweight tournament? I can't remember. You, uh, Urushitani, I think was his name. Damn, good poll right there. I, is that true? I I feel like I've I forgot that ever happened.
1: I think it is Uru Shatani. I have to double check, but I believe it's Uru Urushitani. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. I mean, look, like, again, no disrespect to Jamal Hill, but what will be your reaction if he knocks out Glover to win the championship? Nothing. He's a good fucking. He's,
1: dude, Jamal Hill is is a phenomenal striker. Like, nothing would surprise me. Good for him.
0: Okay. All right. There you go. But damn. Now, Luke, I don't want you to to rotate too far off this topic without addressing uh, your boy, Ramzat Kadirov's social media rant against Dana. Yeah. Yeah. Given Dana has done an interesting history? bit.
1: Dana has I think cuz I believe wasn't Kadirov at like a Moscow event. I can't be sure about that, but you know, the, the point being is that being the
0: one is, with uh D- with uh Greg Hardy and uh and Volkov could have been, could have
1: been. But Dana has been people are like, "Oh, the the media never ask about Dana." Well, the media's got some problems, but they have asked Dana about Kadirov before. I've seen them do it. And it, I think a couple of times, in fact. And every time he's like, who are you talking about? Never heard of this guy. No, who's that? I never. And he <sighs> plays that bit where I, his hearing is impaired, but he kind of plays it up to be like, I don't even really understand what this is. I suspect he'll do the same if someone asks him about it, because it's like, how, do you really want to get sideways with a murderous tyrant? You probably don't. But uh, either way, yes, if you guys didn't see it, Ramzan Kadyrov, who, of course, Makibat Ankhalayev is very closely uh, associated with Ramzan Kadyrov, the leader of Chechnya. When I say leader, I mean like murderous tyrant. And uh, the murderous tyrant came out with a bunch of statements, uh, or a, a long one anyway, about how Dana needs to fix this, give the belt to Ankalayev, restore integrity by apparently going over the heads of the judges, and I mean, then the, giving him the belt and making him the champion. The
0: tone, the tone of it was like, hey, stupid, you should have yeah. saw this coming. <laughs> Why didn't you step in and fix it? Like, uh, like, okay, we all sometimes accuse the UFC of everything. But they, for all we know, they don't control. I mean, did Dana want Doug Crosby to be the name everyone's tweeting after this this card? No, so they don't. They don't control the commission and the judges, for all we know. But if you find out Kadirov was a silent investor in the Dana White slap league, Luke, would you would you be the journalist that red flags that and, and uh? Yeah, just I would, like, I would yeah, definitely take
1: that public. Yeah, I'd be like, you take a money from uh, that fucking guy. Yeah, sure.
0: Gaff did confirm to us here, Luke, that uh, Yasuhiro Arushitani was the fourth one he was the yeah, Shuto champion Ushitani. yeah I was coming right. In. nice work there luke um very good i'm not I mean, new so, to this
1: bc i'm true does, to this
0: does dana you know clap back or does dana just go nah those them dudes are i mean because Kadirov is the same ilk of the people that ran dana out of cardio kickboxing correct oh no worse
1: oh much worse much worse um, you know, t- t- Ramzan Kadyrov is not allowed to do business. He's not supposed to be do- being, doing business with anyone in the United States and uh, has been, with, with like very good evidence, accused of, uh, first of all, trying to purge gay people from Chechnya, uh, kidnapping, disappearances, torture, murder, the murder of journalists. Like, we're talking about an all-time horrible I mean, organized thing.
0: crime is organized crime at the end of the day, Luke, right?
1: Right, right. I mean, organized crime is not great. But it's an order of magnitude. Like the the Italian mafia at its heyday had a lot of power, but they literally weren't the governor of the state of New York. They weren't the governor of the state of New Jersey. They might have been close in certain ways, but not like directly controlled in power. Kadyrov is directly controlling in power and has, by the way, Putin's sort of like level of support by virtue of how uh, loyal he is to his interests. So. Yeah, like, it's, a, it's a, he's a bad dude. He's a really bad. Some person. people
0: think weed is a gateway drug to like heroin, and we all disagree on that. I wonder if fraternities are a gateway drug to to like organized crime and mafia. At the end of the day, Luke, the only the only connection I have to Whitey Bulger is the nickname for my my Bozak, Luke. Okay, that's the only thing. All right. <laughs> you
1: know what? I give you credit. 34 really minutes bold. before Sorry. you referenced your own genitals. Amazing.
0: There okay, you, you go. I got r, on, r, r, r. My, r. Fuck. Look, look I got r, r and we this r. weekend in the Deep South, alright? All all right. Right. I'm revived. Okay. Alright,
1: good, good, good. With that in mind, and this is where I have purposely not dug in heavily to the judging conversation, in part because in the first fight with the main event, it's not as relevant. It's extremely relevant in the second fight that we're going to talk about here. Let's talk about the co-main event. UFC 282's Patty Pimblett defeating via unanimous decision Jared Gordon. So, BC, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I actually have not shared yet, even though I reacted in real time. But we have not had a chance to get even your basic first reactions. So let's start with you. And I'm going to go in reverse order. In this case, what do you make of the judging? And then what did you make of the fight?
0: The fight kind of sucked. I mean, it was it was it was you know it was competed on even terms, and I think Rogan was right to call it during the broadcast that, especially in round three, which really didn't finish much striking. But you know, it's just constant standing grappling. You know, yeah, they used a lot of effort there, but the fight stunk. The scores were off. Look, I had it two rounds to one for Jared Gordon. I felt a lot of people did, but I think the bigger story, Luke, is this is a major regressive step for Patty Pimblett. I was the guy like you who upon arrival was like man you know I like the I like the, the the circus he brings but does he have the the head movement, the defense the all this to do things look he's won me over largely step by step with his ability to rise to the occasion to show us the ground skills that he does have but this week in particular Luke was a massive fail for Patty and I thought you really nailed that. I don't know if that was on your live chat or whatever I, I've been gone for a few days. But your takedown on Patty and the industry as a whole for sort of, you know, coming at Ariel at his own game and the L they took is, you know, no different from Dana trying to clap back and forth with a professional troller and Jake Paul who can spit out those on-point two-minute videos, you know, left and right to show you that you're not on this level. I think Patty getting embroiled in all of that like he did really put the target on him and he was just unable to rise to the occasion. Do we credit Gordon's toughness? Yes. Yes. But the prediction I had coming in about what this fight might look like, I think, was still in play as the fight was playing out. Meaning, you know, eventually Pimplett's going to get served. There are holes in that game. He's been over to overcome some of those holes with some of those hard-to-identify intangibles that he does possess. But all of that seemed to be dulled this weekend. Meaning, this was an opponent who's tough as nails in Gordon who came after him, but one Patty, in my opinion, should have handled only, Luke, he didn't. And the fact that he was so nonchalant and overconfident within the fight, after the fight, that bomb of a joke he attempted to Joe about paying for the interview that Rogan didn't even understand and just sort of like was like, okay, <laughs> dude, this was just a bad look from start to finish. Now, you saw him physically. He looked in great shape. It's not like he mm-hmm. came in fat or whatever. But, Luke, I, I have to be fair here. The focus and that that spark, that, that I'm here to prove everybody wrong thing, that was in the wrong direction for Patty this week, meaning it wasn't like he was motivated to come out here and show everybody that he's not a hype job and a bust. It was as if mentally he already fully escalated himself into the role of superstar. You know, he'd been talking about fighting Connor on pay-per-view for weeks coming in. He has the boss on his podcast and gives an absolutely tone-deaf interview about Ariel. That plays into people kind of mixing in booze and cheers. And then on top of that, you're in there against a guy that you should beat ability-wise, I'm, Just in my opinion, that he should beat. And, you know, he's just—he's getting beat to the punch in the first round. And, you know, judging-wise, how the hell do you give Patty Pimblett that first round? I just didn't see it. Closest fight overall. But he took a step back in terms of his growth as a fighter, no question. He deserved to probably have lost this and had to force himself to rebound— But instead he sort of survived in advance with a double bit of finger and, you know, between this and the post-fight press conference and, you know, what do you want to do next? I don't care. Whoever they put in front of him, I mean, it's just like, it's... He, He made a wrong turn, Luke. Is he buying into the Patty headlines a little bit too much? Is all this barstool bullshit with everybody in the crowd in wigs? I love hype. I love circus stuff. I love trash talk. But what made Conor McGregor so successful in doing that better than anyone ever did in his rise? Winning the fights and pretty much winning them spectacularly during that insane run Connor had. It's not like he was having these close decisions where we argue after the fact that he actually lost, dude. He went in there and took care of things. Patty's already stepping into the character a little bit too aggressively without making sure, in my opinion, that the the fine details are all are all you know are all handled in the right way. Luke, mm-hmm. this was a straight up regression, and I think with with, with a sort of a bad PR week mixed in. He, he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and he's going to have to win us over because if this is the fighter he actually is, then stepping up in competition is only going to get him closer to that first L. And it's not like the career is make or break. This isn't, you know, what we sometimes wrongfully look at boxing where one loss shows you exactly who somebody is. No, no one's trying to say that. But, dude, he talked a big game this week. Talked a big game during the fight. He talked a big game after it, but he did not have a performance that backed it up. And if anything... He was lucky to survive in what I thought was really just some shitty judging across the board. It's two rounds to one for Gordon. Could it have been a split decision win or a split decision loss either way, yeah. But to see Patty, the favored, you know, the favored son come out, it only fuels people to go, oh, Dana and Company paid off the judge. No, I don't believe they paid off the judges. I think it's just a shitty performance from the judges who had a better view than I did. But this definitely was a slow your roll movement to what is the true wait for it. UBL, that tattoo right across the navel. Upper bound limits, Luke. This was a detour, a stop. Can't, you know, seats taken.
1: It's not even a detour. Like, we need to stop. We need to stop with the fantasy that what we've seen gives us any confidence that uh, a title is in his future. Like, okay, so for example, for example, this was his fourth fight in the UFC, right? Pop quiz, BC. What was Conor McGregor's fourth fight in the UFC?
0: Uh, Dustin Poirier?
1: Correct. And what happened in that fight? He knocked him the fuck out, to be fair. In, in a round. In a round. He finished him off in a round. Do you know where Poirier was ranked by most places at that time, in that moment, September of 2014?
0: I'm going to guess no worse than
1: sixth. How about number five? Okay. So let's, let's compare the two for all the people being like, oh, he's the next guy. Dude, no, the fuck he's not. Not right now that Conor McGregor in his 4th UFC fight fought Dustin Poirier, knocked him out inside of a round and he was ranked 5th. Jared Gordon is a very talented fighter, but as it stands today is unranked in the division. Like we're not even talking about people remotely on the same level. The biggest winner at UFC 282 was Ilya Taporia, who we'll talk about later, matter-of-factly. Like that is someone who's got real potential. That is someone who clearly either will fight for a title, maybe even win one, maybe even hold it for some time. That guy is is on the level. Patty is certainly a very talented dude, and I will be clear it again: his back attacks and his fence wrestling are elite. Those are elite, but the rest of the game, which is huge portions of it, are not. It's not, and it's not, it's not, it's not even me. This is. It sounds like we're being insulting by not like exalting every portion of his game, which is not what we're trying to do. We're trying to make accurate assessments. We can say based on evidence. And by the way, we're talking about a guy who's got, what, 23-plus fights, something like that to this point, who's been fighting for over a decade in Patty Pimblett, or roughly a decade anyway. I think he made his pro debut in 2012, right? So he's got a 10-year pro career. He's 20-plus fights in. In his fourth UFC fight, he barely eked out a win Due to poor judging in my in my estimation, because I think he lost against an unranked fighter, guys, not even on the same ballpark, not even the same universe as what Conor McGregor did back when he was fighting everyone in 2014 and 2015 and on. Not even related. Now, let's how'd you score put, it, dude? How'd you score how it? did I score it? I scored it two rounds to one for Jared Gordon. I had yeah. him winning the first round cleanly. Second round, I recognized is a little bit close. Third round, I recognize is also a little bit weird because it was control time without much a lot of behind it. And so it's really hard to know. But if someone gave that one to Patty, it it, it wouldn't bother me at all. It's fine. I get it. But BC, I think we do need to have a discussion about judging. I think we need to have it on two different levels. Okay. Here's the first level I want to have it on. Namely, it is true that after every disputed decision, a lot of people are happy. And a lot of people are sad, and the people who are sad get out and cry robbery. That is very true. People cry robbery in inherently close fights all the time, and that doesn't really do anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's just sound and fury signifying nothing. On the other hand, BC, this is my problem, and this is why I think people are frustrated. If you look at this fight, only one round was consistently given to one person. Round two was given 10-9 to Patty, which I don't agree with. Uh, in fact, here's my point. The other two rounds uh, were could have gone either way based on how the judges scored it. Some people gave it to Patty. Some people gave it to J- uh, Jared. And, of course, we've seen three-round fights before where there was no unanimity with the judges, where each judge, there was no single round where all three agreed. In this particular case, it was the second, but it didn't have to be that way. I want to point out something here, and this is my main problem with the scoring criteria. To me, it is not impossible to argue 30-27 Gordon. It's not. To me, a very strong scorecard is 29-28, Gordon. It is, to me, less conceivable, but I could understand a 29-28 for Patty based on the way C- Judge Chris Lee had it, which was 10-9 for the first one and then the other two for Patty, right? Th- that, that I understand. And honestly, while I could not agree with it, you cannot say, based on the way the judges scored it, who they both, two of them, gave round one to Patty, that it is it at least conceivable Right and arguable to your authorities there at the commission, if you scored it this way, is 30-27 Patty based on the scoring criteria in play. Not that I'm asking you to agree with that assessment, but based on the amount of latitude that we grant, where two of the judges gave rounds one and two to Patty and another one gave round three to him, so all three are in play there. In other words, we have a scoring criteria where 30-27 Gordon and 3027 Patty are both in play. Folks, people, listen to me very clearly. This scoring criteria is not good. It gives so much latitude, individual latitude, to interpretation and to the judge's own estimation of things that you do not get any clarity or any difference between a good scorecard and a kind of shitty one that you can fudge and see. This is the reason why everyone is upset because we have so much room accommodated for dog shit judging that we grant as acceptable under the circumstances by virtue of the latitude granted. Fuck that. This scoring criteria blows. I'm tired of people defending it and we need a different and better system.
0: I mean, it it was a perfect storm to get this to be one of our lead discussions, meaning Doug Crosby putting in the outlier scorecard in Bellator with Sabatello the night before, flying across the country and having an, you know another shitty scorecard in this fight. Simultaneously, all three judges scored it to the favored son that nobody thought won. Then you add in what happened in the main event, where all this did to me was once again put back in the spotlight that we not only have one problem related to MMA judging and scoring, we have many, Luke, using the Boxing 10-9 must system Nobody knows anymore what a 10-8 round is. At some points, you know, there was overcompensation of anything dominant as a 10-8 round. Now everyone's afraid to do it again. And last but not least, the interpretation of the letter of the law, which, if you're reading it the way I did when a fan sent it to me, it's impact, not damage. And impact could mean so many different things based on that actual letter, like making somebody frustrated because you're implementing your game plan and making them adjust. Yet we had John McCarthy of, of, you know famous referee of Bellator fame, on our podcast last week. And he's like, no, I'm the one who was in those meetings when that letter of the law was put out. I-, I wanted it to be damaged. It should be damaged. They wanted to change the word to impact to make it seem less barbaric and violent. Luke, I believe changing that word to impact completely changes how you could interpret it. All that leads to a large shit soup, which is what we're all going to be you know, swimming in until changes are made. This just happened to be a perfect storm this week of Crosby flying all over the globe and all this sort of like, did the favored son win when he shouldn't have? At the end of the day, was this fight close? Yes. Should it have been two to one, Gordon? Yeah, both of us and everybody online is telling you that same thing. But, you know, these problems are going to stay these problems, Luke. You know, whether you want to go to five judges instead of three or you want to go to almost a point scoring system somewhat a la amateur wrestling... This is what you're going to get continuously in a fight where it's not like, this isn't even like MVP versus Logan Storley, where you're like, okay, it depends on how you interpret that letter, which side you're going to lean. This just seemed like people are leaning all over the place, and I don't really get it, Luke.
1: I'll say this, uh, you know, everyone does this bit about like, oh, well, if we use this system in this case... It would be better without recognition of, like, well, how would that work? How would we implement it more widely? And yes, it's very easy to say this one particular system would make a better choice than this one, but would the system work better overall? It's a separate debate. However, BC, I've been very consistent on this show. I do think one has a one championship has a much better system for adjudicating fights. And you could not fucking tell me in this contest. Listen, I have the stats right here. Round two. Remember, round one is the. Cl- clearest round for Jared Gordon and two of the judges didn't give it to him. Like, to me, it's like, dude, what the fuck are we doing here? This does not make any sense whatsoever. So there's a problem I want to get to there. But BC, in the second round, the round that they all gave to Patty, 28 to 24, Patty had a four significant strike lead, which is not much but something. And of course, that's quantitative, not qualitative. However, Gordon also had a takedown and had two minutes of overall control time, partly along with that. Like the idea that that's a clear round For Patty, but round one with its math is on a clear round for Jared Gordon just makes no sense. If you judge that fight as a whole, which guy took the fight to the other guy the most? which guy did the most activity which guy was trying harder which guy was the one who by the way by virtue of the punches he was landing getting the other guy to back up when he was trying to uh, launch an assault it was jared gordon it was jared gordon the entire time this is fucking bullshit and i'm so sick of hearing all the time it's like well this scorecard is okay and this scorecard is okay and this scorecard is okay and this scorecard is okay if all of those scorecards are okay then your criteria is not very helpful. It doesn't really separate the wheat from the chaff hardly at all, which we need the most of in these contests. Now, BC, you brought up something else that we really got to talk about, which is Doug Crosby, a guy who's been fucking off for as long as I can remember in this fight game. Seven years ago, Chuck Mindenhall wrote a feature on him. If you've never seen it or read it, It's, you know, this guy just believes he has a different set of wisdom that is above the rest of us mere mortals. Meanwhile, he turns in some of the worst fucking scorecards you've ever seen in your life. What do you want to say?
0: Could you educate me? I don't know much of his history, but I'm told that he was on Chael's podcast and and now these files are deleted and he said some offensive stuff and Aaron Bronstetter found the missing audio and put it back out there. I was at a wedding trying to catch up with all this, Luke. Okay.
1: yes. I mean, basically, if you I've not even heard those tapes, which are bad enough, but I read uh, his profile. Doug Crosby hit me up years ago, was calling me, leaving me messages. I never returned a single one of them where basically here's what. Here's what the commissions, in theory, are asking judges to do. Every judge, because they're a person, is inherently going to have their own set of biases. That's It's it's impossible to not have any bias. But, of course, a good person is going to be somewhat understanding of that and do their best to limit it. And what they really want you to do is to look at the criteria and make an assessment, and as best as you can, take that criteria and apply it to the fight. Doug Crosby does not believe he is constrained by these considerations. And what <laughs> certainly what he has said in the past, anyway... Is that basically he has his own sense of things and he's going to go by it in the way which he deems best. Like he has his own editorial judgment about what's He's just what it out here be.
0: wine wine staining all over the fight game Luke, Right. right?
1: And so he we'll talk about the Danny Sabatella fight because Doug Crosby's involved in both judging controversies. He turns in an absolute dog shit 50-45. For Danny Sabatello and then comes out here and gives rounds one and two to Patty which I I don't doesn't make sense to me and then round three to Jared when round three is the one where he does all the control without much damage like if there was one round you're not going to give to Jared Gordon it's actually round three that would be the one that you don't give to him that's the only one he got from Doug Crosby and dude let me just say this very clearly These commissions will not fire these fucking guys. They will not reduce their roles. They will not limit them. Doug Crosby has been a, you talk to fighters and coaches, my phone this weekend is filled with high-level coaches who've seen some of the things I've said, reach out to me privately and say, this guy has been damaging careers for as long as they can remember. And the commission won't do shit about it. We can cry all we want about the criteria being a problem. And I think that it is. But one of the things that exacerbates it is that they will not do anything about flagging talent who needs to be either removed, re-educated, or otherwise have their role reduced.
0: All I can tell you from my history in boxing is that's how the commissions roll. Do you know how sketchy the reputation of the Texas Commission is in boxing? Do you know how many times RIP the late Judge Gail Van Hoy just turned out scorecards that were like, 12-0 12-0 in the other direction, yet continued to do the biggest fights. Lawrence Cole, son of the former head of the Texas Commission, has had so many in-ring botches, yet if there's a title fight in Texas, old Larry's there, Luke, from, you know... I want to call her, because Danny Jacobs once famously mispronounced this on my podcast, I wanted to call her Adolescent Bird. But, I mean, is that the greatest example, Luke, of old uh, Adelaide Bird, who, you know, botched the Triple G Canelo fight, more, part one, more than anybody... Bob, uh, you know Bob. Bob Bennett at the press conference afterwards, like, no, she's completely fine. She's fine. It was just a bad, just a bad. Night. I, it's like, it's dude, bad. Uh, what planet are she's you? She's completely living fine. On. Uh, but look, the only time I ever saw somebody get run off was C.J. Ross, and that's because she put back to back monster stinkers. She scored Bradley Pacquiao one for Bradley, and then she scored Mayweather Canelo six rounds to six, and they got rid of her with two like monstrous misses on the very highest level. I guess short of that, Luke, you're uh, you're untouchable, right? You're, you're, you're Teflon Don over here in the uh, commission official game. I've said it. I always say it. I believe it. The best way to weed out the good from the bad in the commission is to make the officials, I know my judging friends in Connecticut don't like this opinion, but to make the officials accountable after the event. Make the judge Make the referee, show up to every press conference, not to get pissed on, but to get cross-examined, show us, tell us what you saw. because Luke, this will show everybody watching who really gets it. This will also, in my opinion, educate because like you said, not every fight's a freaking robbery. It would allow an official to say, "Look, I'm not on Twitter. I don't have replays. I'm sitting right here and this is what I saw. Do that. If not, this is what's going to happen. But I want to ask you quickly, because I always try to devils advocate ourselves. Are we missing the scoring on this fight? And in particular, round one, which I don't think that's a swing round. I thought that was clear that Gordon landed more power shots that were knocking Patty's head around in the first round. Yeah, Patty rallied late, but so did Gordon. Are we missing the fact? Are we overlooking the fact that Patty didn't dominate this guy like we thought he maybe he should? Did that make us want to score the fight more even than we should have, Luke? Because you will say this: whether you believe these judges are clowns or true professionals, they are professionals. Meaning they go through the you know the conferences, the exams. That you know they they get feedback in theory from their bosses here. So did are we overplaying the you know that whole idea of well, Patty didn't do as good as I thought he should have, so he lost. I, Is I, that in I mean, I'm or never no?
1: one of these guys who expects him to go out there and like. I'm still in a state where I'm like, let's see what Patty's got. I didn't go in there with like big expectations. Frankly, I think I thought he was going to win. I think I picked him to win on CBS Sports HQ. I thought he was I thought he was going to, I knew, I thought he was going to win, but I knew it was like, there's a lot we don't know how it's going to happen here. I, I mean, my sense is he should probably get it done, but I guess we'll see. You know, so I, this is not some case, certainly I can only speak for myself. I don't know about the wider public, which is I know what you're asking, but Um, I, I never went in there with some preconceived notion that this was an unwinnable thing and he's going to get exposed and, or, you know, whatever negative, uh, um, editorial viewpoint you, 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 you would want to want to put on this. I went in there being like, let's see what happens. I thought he got boxed around for the first round. And also here's another part, dude, go back and look and watch how much Jared Gordon blocks everything. There is so much that just lands on the arms and the gloves of Jared Gordon, and you know what fight reminded me of it? Reminded me of Diego Sanchez versus Martin Campman, where Diego Sanchez wins this fight based on activity. And when I say activity, there's literally like long stretches where you can see the crowd roar, where he doesn't even make contact with Campman, and yet he still wins. Campman like clearly won that contest, but it didn't matter because it looked like just the aggression and the volume of attempts. From diego kind of sway their judges there's something to be said for that i thought a lot of that here was this patty did land some good shots he was trying to be active i i, I well, he didn't get his ass kicked or something like that yeah. but he clearly lost he clearly fucking lost this contest and i don't know how that's well i do know how we got where we got but it's a fucking problem
0: how concerned were you with patty's utter dismissal that this fight was close that that he could have lost that afterwards he's sort of like, nah, man, I knew I was up to nothing, so I was coasting in I round couldn't three. Believe- and, again, and then Doug Rogan, gives the third round to him, and then it's like dude, dude, red flag alert. He told Joe Rogan that I knew I was up to nothing, so I didn't want to take a chance so that I can get stopped. Yo, that's the difference between Patty Pimblett and Conor McGregor right now. That's the difference right there. Okay? I, no, well, you dude. know, here's
1: the thing. Robbie Lawler, throughout his career, has always taken rounds off. You know, so like I'm not going to kill a guy for doing that. But again, going back to the comparisons with Connor, like you're right, they don't make sense. And also, you know, why would you be comfortable that you were winning the first two rounds? Like at a bare minimum, you had to know they were close. And when they're close, given the criteria, it's just impossible to know which way they're going to go. Like there's a certain amount of comfortability with like how things are going that doesn't match reality. I, I don't quite understand how we got to that point. I really, I really, really don't. So the the big takeaway for me is he gets the win. We can talk about judging and everything else and what should change. I think our current scoring system sucks ass, and we need to say it out loud. But the bigger part is what you set up first, BC, which is it wasn't like Patty looked bad. That's no. not true. He did not look bad. He just looked okay. Right. And he and, looked and- okay against another guy who's not ranked. This
0: is not a guy who is screaming title potential at all. And this is the, you know, if if anyone thinking we're being extra critical, I, I don't assume anyone is, but maybe there's some Liverpoolians, some scousers out there who think we are. When you announce yourself in the way Patty has since arriving here, yes, there's extra expectations. There's extra scrutiny. So Luke, this plays right into, I want your take first and foremost, what direction should the UFC go next with Patty. Patty's not a train wreck. He didn't fall apart. He didn't gas out and lose, but he had a win that he he was lucky to get, survive in advance, did not escalate his career in any sort of way, you know, but yet the the barstool guys are out there with wigs, you know, ruining all these scousers' careers, Luke, accidentally. We're not cashing him out. I mean, in the war room, which Patty, in theory, shouldn't have access to, are they concerned at all? What are they talking about, in your opinion, of what should be next for him?
1: I think if you're a UFC, I, I've said this before because we've seen it with like Paige Van Zandt and the Sage Northcuts and some other prospects as well. We'll see what happens with Raul Rosas, who, by the way, looked pretty good. Looked pretty good. I mean, he had a, you know he had a fight. He should have looked good, good in.
0: Huh? Pretty good. He looked freaking fantastic, Luke. Okay. No,
1: he looked pretty good. I mean, we're talking about an opponent. He was you know, was very much outmatched. But okay, the point- he turned
0: 18 yesterday. He backpacked the kid and put him away without even being touched. I think that's Dude, better than pretty people do not good, okay?
1: understand combat sports peaking. People think with Raul Rosas Jr., because he's 18, oh, how good will he be by 25? Dude, he might peak at 19. He might peak at 27. He might peak at 22. It's impossible to say. So what you can say is against an overmatched opponent, I see you playing games because you don't like recon- reconciling with the facts. He looked good. He did look good. There's no other argument. But he had a very outmatched opponent. He was supposed to no, there is to look another good.
0: argument. You saying he looked pretty good dismissively. Okay. No, no, no. It's not dismissively,
1: but you can do again, it's he's not beating super high quality opponents, nor should he be fighting. Okay, but he stepped up in an opponent.
0: ESPN main event, probably without armpit hair, can barely vote with so much right. pressure. So here's
1: the question, BC. What does that mean for his future? Because that's the that's what you're trying to get to here tell me what saturday means for the actual full potential because here's the narrative the narrative is because he look good oh my god the possibilities are endless not fucking true not true today not true tomorrow not true ever it doesn't mean that at all that, that's the problem people think well, because I'm not, he's 17 really this means at
0: 25 he's going to be great that is not no, what that means. But he could get it. He could get a flower today from you for his performance. Oh yeah, no, but that's no, not the topic. What do you do next with Patty if you're
1: the okay? UFC? He, Raul Rosas Jr. actually looks sharp. That's the point. But neither here nor there. I think you treat Patty like you would if he won this convincingly. What's the next step up from Jared Gordon? The UFC with Raul Rosas and these other guys—they usually give him like the three-ish, sometimes two, sometimes four, like workup fights before they really begin to turn up the heat okay, man, you fought Jared Gordon. He didn't look bad, right? He did not look bad, but I, the judging was we have been over that. So I think you just treat it like it's the next step up and either you give him something like inside the top 15, like 11 to 15, or someone on the outside. I will say this, though. like Lightweight's got a lot of guys who are also not ranked who I think would give Patty a real hard time. Um, who's the kid that lost to Sadiq Yusuf? I forget his name, but... Uh,
0: What's Are you name? talking about Demir Imagulov?
1: No, no, no. D- Demi- dude Demir Ismagulov would have his way with him. I mean, that's yeah, not yeah, even. I you
0: mean, could... okay, is now that th- here's the question. Is now the time to find a little bit better Jared Gordon? Or is now the time to go crazy? To go crazy and max him out and put it in there with like freaking Connor? Or is there an in between where maybe you find a faded name going in that direction H- that you put him this? in there with?
1: You could do this. You could do this. Tony Ferguson.
0: He's ranked 15th. That's 15. what I was building toward. I love your way you thought about that, Luke Thomas. If he fights Tony Ferguson in three months, does he get the win and put all this stuff behind him?
1: Probably. I would, I would. gun to my head, I'd probably pick him. But is I'll that, say this. What, what Mike is that, a view Hold on, I'll say Colmaine? this. Mike, Mike Davis is not ranked, and I'd bet Mike Davis to beat him cleanly. Um, wow. Wow, I, it's definitely on a pay-per-view main card. I mean, he's definitely quite popular. But um...
0: I mean, does it? Okay, all right. Do am I overly giddy about some weird potential of doing a Conor Patty pay-per-view too early and putting it in Europe <laughs> yes. and going nuts? Yeah, I'm. I'm drunk on that idea because I like fun, weird, spectacular. You know me, okay? I get I get sold by the packaging, by the colors. I don't read the ingredients on the back, Luke. You can ask my doctor. But with Patty showing limitations or concerns, or maybe it was just a bad camp, bad week, bad, all that, and he just kind of was flat. I I almost want this kind of fight even more now because it's like the ultimate, we don't know what it's going to look like, right?
1: Yeah, but again, I mean, I just I just feel like you're, you're like, look up the rankings there on lightweight. Like Jalen Turner is not far behind. Jalen Turner would do bad things to him. I think um, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Demiris Mogulov, I think is ranked 12, 12 like Demiris Magulov would box his face off. It wouldn't even be close. Um, so to me, it's like, you know, if you're this far along in your career and the problem that Patty has is again, the things he's good at, he's really good at back attacks, fence wrestling. He shines there. He's a problem there. Like no doubt about it. Like I think he gives actually ranked guys real hard problems on, on that level. I do. I mean that genuinely. But um I just feel like like the like what's the ultimate upside of Patty at this point? I think you can conclude not affirmatively what it's gonna be, but I would be very, very, very surprised if he cracks the top five ever. Maybe even top ten, to be quite honest with you. Um wow. it's wow. Okay, it's, so
0: so Barbosa at 155. No, we're not doing that.
1: Um
0: you don't hate that, I know you. I, don't hate I know that. you better than most. I don't most.
1: hate that. I don't hate that. Uh, Barbosa of like seven years ago, no, no. This no, version no, nobody, of it, but nobody's trying to do that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay.
1: All right, let's move on to anyone else on the card here, BC, and then we'll talk about some Bellator because we still got to get to that, BC. Uh, there were other fights on the card. Let's talk about it. Darren Till, ugh, he does not look great. He loses to Drakus Duplessis, although he had a good second round and a good rally at the end of the first. So what happened, BC? He gets finished off in the third with a face crank, which, by the way, it looked like it wasn't, I'm not saying it wasn't in, but there wasn't like a, a pitched hand fighting battle to get it off. It kind of just tapped. Uh, okay, but, you know, maybe it was really tough. Who knows? Either way, what's up with Till? Where are we going?
0: So I didn't think I'd say this because for another two and a half weeks, uh, Darren Till is still on, you know, the light side of 30. He's still on the good side, more or less. I said coming in, regardless of loss, he's too big of a name. He's still got too much in the tank. That even with all these losses backed up, you know, you can't cut him or anything. Look, I think they should cut him. Mm. And it's not necessarily because he can't win fights at a step-down level from here. But, like, look what happened to Brandon Moreno. I know that was a different scenario. They were considering getting rid of the division. But my point is this. I don't think... You know, the UFC would lose a lot if he went to another big-name secondary promotion and became a main eventer or even a champion. Um, but he is not getting better. He's only getting worse. And when you look at the totality of this streak, which is six fights, one win, five defeats, the only win to split decision, even if everyone thought it should have been unanimous, but the only guy he beat, a guy I love and Kelvin Gastelum, has similar questions and problems at the moment. It's like unless you put him at the bottom now and make him make him restart and work all the way back, I think the only thing that's going to change if this uh, this guy is still gonna prove and come back to the level he once was, which was a title challenger in a division below, is make him go, you know, uh, make him go break glass outside and, and figure out if it's still in there, if it can be redeemed because I feel like at this level in the UFC he's had too many chances. And he's too consistently failed them. He hasn't failed them spectacularly outside of this one, which I think, look, even with his reversal late in round one, and even with some of the success he had in round two against a suddenly exhausted duplicy, this performance, including the tap out, I mean, dude, this is bad. Look, Drinkus duplicy impressed me. He was better in this fight than I thought he would be. I thought Till was gonna get the, you know, the sneaky upset here and remind us that experience, skill, some of those things still matter. Even with Duplessis outperforming, he was also ready to go. At looked at times in that second round, from his gas tank emptying to see Till overall succumb the way he did. I mean, the strikes on the ground at one point in that first round were sixty to zero. You saw that stat on the screen. It's like you only want to tell somebody that they should be cut if if they're you know getting knocked out or they're imploding. That's not necessarily it. But, Luke, every fight he's going further in the other direction back to being ordinary. And I think where he once was at one point, I don't know if you can allow him to continue to be ordinary unless he's okay to stay in that direction, Luke. And I, and I know, like, look, sometimes this happens. You know, guys like, let's let's look back on Talos Latis or, or uh, Patrick Cote or guys that, you know, at one point in their career made a move and went and fought for a title. And then, you know, they, they were sort of average the rest of the way and lingered and had some wins and losses. There's no crime, no foul at that point. But Till at one point, and maybe it's being a weight bully in a smaller division, I'm not really sure, Luke. But at one point, he looked to be something big. Some of these losses have not been disastrous. The, the, the Robert Whitaker one, I thought he actually fought well. But how many more times is he going to talk a big game, come back after injury, switch camps, do all that stuff that you do to try to save? And what are you going to do? Go put him in there against another guy in the back of the top 10 and, you know, lose again. He's 1-5 in five in his last six. If he, for his chance, has a chance at writing this this ship, he may have to go on the indie scene, Luke, and and, and go back and retool that way. Uh, I would not be against here right now. As much as I don't want anybody to lose their job, I'm not trying to be that kind of... But I am trying to be extra critical here in a, in a moment that needs it. I, I don't think they would be wrong to let him go and say, look, we love you, we'd love to see you again, but you got to go out there and fix something right now. I mean, Luke, mm-hmm. can he be allowed to fix it on a lower level fighting unranked guys in the prelims? I mean, I think that's the only way he stays alive right now.
1: Would that... I mean, for the... Let me ask you this, BC, because I hadn't thought of it in this way. I mean, my take was going to be that, like, the idea that he's going to be elite, you know, and a guy who can contend for a title at middleweight seems like a pipe dream at this point. Um, Again, 29 years old, so you can never be too sure, but it seems very unlikely. I mean, dude, his wrestling defense... I'm sure Drickus is strong. He does appear to be quite physically gifted, but, like, it just seemed like... I can't believe this far along his wrestling defense is not as developed as it is. And he, he seemed to got injured in the fight. But let me pitch it back to you. Like, some guys get bounced and then they really take it as like, okay, I've got to get things right. But, dude, some guys get bounced and they just never, it, it doesn't fix anything. Like, are you saying that, that you don't know what's going to happen if they cut him or that you're confident that if they cut him, he will bounce back?
0: I'm saying that if he's meant to get back to the level that we once saw and thought he was and I get that that level is a gray area because it came in a division down that he kind of grew out of I, to for him to get back there I think the only way to do it is to is to force this force this crossroads moment where he's going oh shit you know I mean he's going to have to go sign with somebody else he's going to have to run off a couple of victories in a row but if he does for all we know he could be right back here but just keeping him there and now going, you know, lowering the matchmaking bar even lower now to like unranked guys in the first prelim. Fight. I mean, what's the, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, Luke. I, you know, I, I think the only chance he has of writing this, this, this wrong and getting back there is by doing it the long way. I mean, Luke, it's like how many more chances are you going to give me? Already switched camps? Like, there's been a lot of sort of like, oh, he'll figure it out. This is a, this is a, a dark turn, or this is a bad luck, or this is a couple losses in a row. To be honest here, Luke. His move up to middleweight has been a disaster. Mm. All the losses have come against, you know, elite-ish guys. But this should have been the fight that he wrote wrote the wrong. He had a bull in front of him. A bull that could stop him if he got fucked up, right? A bull that you don't want to mess with. But a bull that, if Darren Till is still going to be Darren Till, he could have and should have matadored and figured it out. There were little hints... Right, with Duplessis dumping his gas tank in the first round, where it looked like that was still possible. And to give Till credit, he's got a great chin. He fought through some adversity. But as much as the tattoo on his arm is a cover-up to try to you know, get rid of the earlier relationship he had with that woman, the mother of his kids, Luke, this fight looks like a cover-up performance on trying to make me believe that he can still be better than this, Luke, unless he gets caught and, and has to really do some deep soul-searching. I mean, Luke, it... Is the fairest thing you can say that this move up in weight kind of kind of killed whatever momentum or advantage he once had? How do you sum up the best you can? Forget about the Woodley loss, even though I called that on the MMA Beat episode 200. Look, I did. There's footage. Outside of that, when we're looking at the Masvidal loss mixed with these four fights now at middleweight in which he's one and three, answer me this. What went wrong? How do you sum this up as a whole? Not this fight against Dr- Driecus, the, the mm. this run as a whole. Can we fix it? What the hell went wrong? Because I'm going extreme now. I'm going, I'm sorry, dude. I've loved you. I'm, I'm not here to be a hater on Scousers. Although, I mean, am I the biggest Molly Meatball fan? No. Did I just crap on Patty Pimblett a little? Darren Till. Oh, man. Uh, hey, yeah, Mike Owens. Mike Owens, Owens Media. Mike Owens media. Like. That, you know, I know I'm an adopted Welshman, but I love some Scousers. Luke, what the hell went wrong with Darren Till?
1: I think there's a few things that went wrong. The first thing I'd say is we, we haven't you haven't mentioned it yet, but it is worth mentioning, and it's not anything he can. I'm not saying it's nothing he can do about it, but it does seem like he's somewhat at the mercy of circumstances beyond his control. Which is he gets injured a lot. He's missed a lot of time, if for no other reason than injury. That's going to affect your motivation. That's going to affect your mental welfare. That's going to affect your your ability to continuously get better. I mean, I, I keep contrasting it compare the injury record and how much it's sidelined him in the last five years compared to Izzy who has never gotten injured and look at his development. Now, of course, no fighter is perfect. Is he's coming off of a loss, but just to compare how much better those guys got in that time, you can see major, major differences and injury load and your, your, your constant necessity to deal with it. I think plays a very big role. That's the first thing I'd say. Secondly, I'd say that the weight class bullying Which, you know, everyone was kind of trying to go too low. I don't really like, I don't think he was trying to sandbag or something like that. But, um, you know, he got into a bigger weight class and he didn't immediately translate to it. I think that's the second thing I'd say. And the third thing I'd sort of say is that, like, there was overpromotion of him early. You know, did he train hard enough? Has he been partying? The guy's been arrested in half the countries he's trained in, which, you know, I I don't know how much that really impacts the training. I've not been there. I don't know if he's actually put in the work. It makes me like the fact that he hasn't developed makes me wonder if he's actually put in the work to be honest with you. But what I would say is that like, we, we talked about it on the, the pregame preview with Chuck for this card, which was, dude, these, these, the UK boxing fans and then the Irish MMA fans like that together. That's the, that's the, that's the perfect group of combat sports fans in the world. You just won't find better fans anywhere. But as a consequence, especially like a post, you know, Michael Bisping era a little bit, they were looking for like the next. I had I had guys who work, you know, inside high level British MMA. I won't say where exactly because it would give away who they are, but like very important figures tell me like they like Darren Till was kind of held up as the next guy to air into Michael Bisping's seat because they wanted him to serve that role before he was ever really ready. So this overpromotion, this injury load, has he been training hard enough? Switching weight classes, it just it just ended up backfiring. And how many times have I warned if you fuck up a guy's development? You cannot put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Here is a case where we we might be at that point, BC, where like his development did not go properly, and even though he's only 29, I
0: don't know how you fix it at this point. Uh, So do you think they're considering cutting him? I mean, is he too big of a name to be cut before his 30th birthday? Luke, what do you do? One more chance, Biggie? Is that what we're getting here?
1: Probably one. Probably one. They might do. They, they, I know they're going back to London either first or second quarter. I forget which. I think first quarter they're going to go back to uh, London. They might, depending on his injury situation, they might try and put him back on there. You know, uh, he listen. He's well liked and he's got some abilities. But dude, even here's the other part too. We see like we're talking about it. I found his takedown defense like bafflingly not that great. No. And even in the striking department, he had a good second round. He had a good second round. But dude, like we talk about it all the time, a good fighter takes advantage of mistakes. A great fighter forces his opponent to make them. I just didn't see him forcing interesting openings in the stand-up to really lord it over him. He was he was landing, he was doing good, but he wasn't doing great either. Like even that wasn't all all that awesome.
0: Or, or do you do you share a different opinion? No, I completely agree. It, it I mean everything, you know, everything outside of the toughness that he showed was was rough. But on the flip side, Luke, I don't want this to drown out before we transition what Drikus du Duplassi did, which was score another big middleweight win as he continues to climb the ladder. So 28 years old, you look at this current run right now, 4-0 in the UFC, three finishes now, the escalation from Brad Tavares to Darren Till. Is he coming on in the larger title picture at the moment, Luke? Drikus? I, th-
1: I think so, yeah. I do. I do see him getting better. To your point... He still does these blitzes where he's way high in the air, you know, and um, and there's other parts that are not all that like technical, but he does have a lot of really good parts of his game. He's quite physical. He puts a ton of pressure on his opponent, right? He's tough uh, and like he fights with a certain kind of real pointed, consistent intensity. Yeah, like I, I, you know, do I think he's going to win a title? Probably not, but he's he's a high level ranked deserving winner and is
0: should be worthy of our respect as well yeah got that mcdonald's wi-fi Luke. but i'm back i'm back at it okay i all agree right. with you whatever you said all i right. agree with
1: you uh we were supposed to get to toporia but bc we haven't even talked about bellator i'm going to punt him to extra credit if that's okay unless you have any strong statement you want to make about Ilya,
0: he's a f- it's a fucking hammer dude all he's right a that's a my strong t- okay the people though quick the people want you to say that Toporia should fight Next, they want you to say that you know that, dude.
1: Teporia right? would
0: do evil things. Okay, to him. they want they wanted you to say that. Okay, oh, there you go. Yeah, I love me Amelia Teporia. He's fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, was, let me he, add him he to was, this cabin.
1: Bryce please. Mitchell did not like lay down for him. Teporia just beat beat him up and took his will from him. Like, I mean, that is
0: is this hashtag holy hammer material? Yeah,
1: dude. I, I know we had uh, we have a guy on staff, Brendan Lynch, who uh, you know sends us the list of like potential hammers. Yo, you didn't put fucking Taporia on that list, bro. Yeah. That was the number 1 guy you should have put on there. Yeah. He is a fucking animal, an animal. Are you talking
0: about you're talking about Dime Store Gordon Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Who by the way, did you see?
1: They had him talk to the MMA media like doing a presser sit down through the UFC. They had him sitting cage side, they promoted him on Fight Pass. Like, dude, UFC's kind of blowing up Gordon Ryan's profile
0: a little bit. I think they see not only the dominance in 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 that in the grappling game, but look, he's got like a pro wrestler personality. I mean, he's like, yeah, like he's you know, and I also mean, he was Nogi out there grappling, with Nogi grappling. Momoa. Has
1: exploded in popularity, and uh, it's changing the game a little bit. Yeah, like the like the literal jujitsu game, and. Um, you know he's a big part of that. All right, let's talk about. If we ever make Bellator. it out
0: to to Malca West in L.A., Luke, we should put some mats down in the studio there and have uh you know Brendan put put me in uh in submissions as you uh you know as you give a tutorial for the fans.
1: Yeah, and what I'll do is I'll be like the, I'll be like Paul Harris, and I'll be like, just keep cranking, just keep cranking, <laughs> just keep cranking. All right, let's talk about Bellator because they had a highly interesting card on Friday. Night. BC, you missed it in real time. It was pretty good, although the main event was weird as shit. Let's talk about the main event. Ralphie on Stotts edges Danny Sabatello now again because it's the same guy in Douglas Crosby who we're talking about here he turns in a fucking hilarious scorecard like just incomprehensible 50-45 to Danny Sabatello and then on the other side Stotts getting it done I think 48-47 in both of those so either way Stotts retains the interim title he gets the job done First, talk to me about the fight a little bit. What did you learn about both guys? And then let's talk about the scoring.
0: Well, look, first and foremost, not a great fight. Not overly exciting. We knew that had the potential if they wrestling, kind of cancel each other out. And if, you know, if it if it didn't turn into a war. And look, the trash talk coming in led you to the hope that it could. But at the end of the day, I thought the right guy won in Stotts. I just don't understand, as anyone else did, how Doug Crosby can go 5-0 to zero when if anybody landed any form of damage or somewhat consistent clean strikes, dude, it was Rafi on stats, And I think the fact that he was able to elbow Sabatello late and cut him open was the clincher to me in giving him this fight three rounds to two. I think ultimately when both fighters allow a fight this important to be this close without much separation, both have the potential to lose based on the judgment right here, right? So both were sort of in that but, I mean, Big John w- nailed it throughout the fight. In the post-fight interview, as good as Danny Sabatello is in spots at gaining control, he was full mount at one point. I mean, look, not only did he not have any impact or damage, there wasn't the intention of going for a submission, of looking to even give the illusion the to the judges that he's piling on hammer fizz or trying to get some lead elbows out there to create some damage. It was essentially an amateur wrestling match, and in that regard, you know, Danny Sabatello was his own enemy at the end of the day. Meaning, yeah, he can exit this as he did and walk off after he heard the decision and go, "Hey, they screwed me. I thought I won. I knew I won." And you know, to some degree, save face. And I'm not a Sabatello hater, Luke. I love that man's personality in this game. Right? I mean, a little bit of a shit show operator, but he 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 plays that role well with the '80s wrestling look. But no, he did not have a claim to have won this fight. In fact, Luke, to be honest with you, I was disappointing that even in the in the advantageous positions, he did nothing in my eyes to separate himself enough from Stotts through the intention of landing damage where he would even have a case. Despite this being a close ass fight, three to two, Stotts in my book, you do have to put a wall there between them and say, one man tried to win this fight, one man tried to constantly gain control. What else are you going to say about this? You know what I mean? The, the best mm-hmm. thing I can say about this is watching Rafion Stots and Patchy Mix in the face-off afterwards to promote the final got me all kinds of excited, and I think it should for all fans because that's a fun-ass style matchup that I can't wait to see. But Sabatello was the one— who, who, who dropped the ball in this big opportunity here, Luke, to back up all that trash talk and go out there and leave no doubt. How do you explain? Like we're criticizing Patty for afterwards going, you know, I thought, you know, blah, 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 like leaning on the fact that in his mind he had done enough. Dude, you know this game. You've never done enough, right? You know what I mean? You've never done enough until uh, you stop doing it. Hold on just a second. I Luke, don't know, what know if it's was just wrong me, with I can't this hear one. you
1: anymore. It could just be me. Can someone like on the staff, oh, Brian's frozen. All right. Well, then, if Brian's frozen, let me just take over here. No, I'm unfrozen, okay? Oh, here we go. Now you're back. Now you're back.
0: I'm back. Luke, what the hell was wrong with Sabatello? How do you get that position and not try to advance it? How do you exit the cage thinking you've won when I don't even remember a clean strike outside of that nice front kick he landed that Stotts just just shook off? I mean... There was
1: a couple of... You know, he had some decent punches here or there, but to your point, like, man, I... I, this was the funny part about this whole thing, BC. You've heard me say this a million times that the criteria, one of the issues I have with it is like they're, they're trying to solve for a situation where if someone is using a lot of control positions and not much ground and pound or submission threats or positional advancement, that you know, they don't want that to be overly emphasized. And so the scoring criteria has been changed so that you can't just hold a guy and then, and then win. And I've said that like I don't mind it in those like, very specific instances, but I think they've gone too far. However, here is a very clear case where that logic works. This is, this is that case where, dude, Danny Sabatello is a great athlete. He's a great uh, self-promoter. He's done more to promote a Bellator fight than anyone I can remember the rest of the year. Truly, I mean that. He and Rafael Satz did more to promote a Bellator fight than any other particular Bellator fighter I can think of, Period right? Think about that for just a second. Those guys really worked their ass off to promote this fight. And he's a phenomenal wrestler. Like, dude, he is just an absolute handful when it comes to that. But you have to throw some punches. You have to look for a choke. And I saw people say, well, isn't this what Colby does? No, this is not what Colby does at all. You are very mistaken. Go and watch the Robbie Lawler fight. And what you notice from Colby there is he will wrap the throat a little bit. Now, how close is it? I don't know. But it's enough for Lawler has to bring up both his hands to fight it. And he will pitter-patter with shots constantly from different positions, especially if he's got one hand held with the wrist control on same-side wrist, and he has, like, one leg on the leg ride. He will throw punches at that point. He will do that. Now, there have been times, of course, where he hasn't done enough of that, and it may have cost him. But the idea that, like, Colby's fighting looks just like Danny Sabatello's is just flat in this fight. Anyway, it's just flatly not true. My guy, like it, it, he, here's the funny part, BC. Would you agree with this? If Danny had put in a, I'm not even gonna say a lot, a modest amount of ground and pound through the course of those five rounds, he would have won 50, five
0: True or false? He would have won. Three rounds to two for stats, but like I said, because of the lack of intention, even with that close scorecard, I don't think there's an argument for Danny. But had he put more intention, even like your point, like Colby, even if it's just to get the hands to move or to give the illusion, even if it's just hammer fist Luke, even if it's just a lot of this, I mean, it'd be awkward, right? We'd be questioning whether children should be watching. It's a little bit obscene, but at least he would get the scores in his direction and he'd be one step closer to a million dollars. It's almost as if I'm disappointed because of the great promotion he put to get himself to this spot. And the fact he's able to one-sided dominate these fights, even if some people thought along the way if some of them were boring. But it's like, Luke, Stotts did what he had to do in this case. You know, you can argue Adesanya did that with with uh, Romero when it was a weird fight, and, you know, he did just enough what he had to do. I think Stotts handled it well with what he was dealt. But look at the stats. Four for 14 and takedowns overall for Sabatello. None of those four led to long stretch of clean striking or dominance or really anything. It was just a position battle. But on the feet, Stotts was busier. He had better intention. He landed cleaner blows. The right guy survives and advances, I guess, here, Luke. But I do think that for both of these guys, a bit of a disappointment after how much they talked us into the building.
1: Um, Okay. So that leads us now, I think, to the second part of this conversation around Bellator, which is patchy mix. Patchy Mix put Magomed Magomedov to sleep with a guillotine choke. And, BC, I got to tell you, I was kind of surprised by this because I we all knew he could backpack someone like there was no tomorrow. He beat Horaguchi that way. But, dude, his boxing looked pretty good. And his anti-wrestling by virtue of submissions looked great. Like, he had that hook sweep to the guillotine to get on top right here. You're going to see it. Watch. He's going to hook sweep his way over onto the guillotine right there. Boom, comes right on top. Right? So he was like using, he didn't have to like use traditional defensive wrestling to get a dominant position and then getting a submission. Dude, he finished Megamed Med, and backpacked and defeated Kyoji Horiguchi on, way, on the way to the finals. True or false? He's had the best run
0: in this tournament of anyone. True. And, you know, I have to take my L and almost say like I missed it up to this point. Now, here's why I kind of missed it the Horiguchi win was so surprising to me with Horiguchi coming off that sort of miraculous, um, not miraculous loss, excuse me, in which he was dominating the champion Sergio Pettis, gets knocked out, they announced the tournament. I think a lot of us, rightfully so, were like, look, even with that KO loss, Horiguchi's the favorite here. He might be the class of this deep division under Bellator. And the way that Patchy Mix put him away, Luke, I almost felt as if, like, something went wrong. Horaguchi made a mistake, but let's give Josh Thompson credit where credit is due when we had him on the show last week. The Punk, not only did he not escalate our 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 podcast war to another level, he was very gentlemanly, you know, he came out right outfit, uh, outright and said, look, we can talk about Sabatello and stats and I'm really excited, but Patchy Mix is, is, is the guy right now. He's the guy that should be the favorite as we enter this Final Four to win the tournament. All he did against Magomedov was completely double down on that where it's like, damn, I kind of missed this along the way. The fact that Patchy Mix, who once fought for a title before, losing the vacant opportunity against Juan Archuleta, now is able to look back, and he said so in the post-fight interview, like he just wasn't ready then, he wasn't the same fighter. He went back to, to the drawing board, Luke, and what he has put together is all of his skills coming together at the right moment. He has gone from possible dark horse to the favorite, and uh, I don't know what the odds are going to look like for this final, but given that run he has been on, Damn, dude, he's coming on at just the right time. He's going to have a, a size advantage over Stotts. The confidence is next level. I didn't grab it for have you seen this shit because I didn't see it till after the fact. I wish I did. But that promo he cut afterwards on the microphone in the Big John interview, which was like not a Sabatello-like one, not one where he's trying to get the clicks. He's just like, look, I'm going to fucking win this championship and I'm going to go through anyone to get there. It was just hungry. It was real. Luke, he is peaking at the exact right time. And look, you know, could we say that Magomed Magomedov at one point a couple fights ago looked to be more than he might be now? That was a somewhat humbling loss to Stotts, although he bounced back against Barzola. But, you know, this was pretty clean and clear. He was not only dominated, dude. he was put to sleep. And, you know, nobody does that to Magomed Magomedov, who owns a win over Piotr Jan before the UFC. Um, Huge wake-up call for me to realize exactly who he is. And Luke, just like that time at High Rollers, when he was warming up to, for the main event, remember I came up to him, gimmicked him hand and said, man, beat that guy's motherfucking ass. You know what I'm saying? And he gave me that really weird look, Luke. You know, I was wrong then to break his uh, his focus. And, you know, I was wrong now to not see that this giant storm was coming. Dude, I'm proud of him. I'm happy to see this. Um, he should be the favorite going in here for this million dollars against Rafian Stotts. And he has come alive and come full bloom. And was that Tatiana Suarez next to him cage side, Luke, on Friday night?
1: All right, I think BC dropped if they want to put the camera on me. Uh, I don't know. BC, can you, know, you hear me now? I don't know how it's uh, working. It That's working. question, Luke. Can we hear? No? All right. Um, yeah, I share all of BC's sentiment about this. I will tell you that in watching that fight, because I didn't do a post-fight reaction show for Bellator, although I was on CBS Sports HQ, no Tukey this time. No Tukey this time. Uh, dude, Patchy Mix looked big. Like, he looks physically huge. For bantamweight, which we kind of knew, but you got to see more evidence of it. And again, if it was just backpacking skill, it'd be one thing, but to know he's got the backpacking skill with the front headlock series, with the guillotines, with the hook sweeps, with the jab. And if his cardio is there and he's training with BC, did you see this? His girlfriend is Tatiana Suarez. I didn't see that before. And he's like really focused now. And all he's, all he's doing is training. Like Man, I got to tell you, I I thought Patchy Mix had, like, you know, a decent chance to do well in this tournament. Dude, he might be the favorite. He might fucking be the favorite at this point.
0: Yeah, you're damn right. And that was the question I had asked you be- before my McDonald's Wi-Fi hit again is... Is he dating Tatiana Suarez? Because that's a nice yeah. support team he's got behind him. Look.
1: Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's a hell of a combo there. Patchy Mex again, he was always a really good grappler. We saw him at high rollers that one time. I know we were both high as balls, but you know, allegedly. But we saw him there. He was really friendly, but he was big. He was fucking huge. And I just so, couldn't believe, you know, he's, I'll say this, man, the polish that he's putting on his game is noteworthy he's really turning into something special he was already very good and
0: I'm happy to see it so Luke he's 29 years old he's 17 and 1 overall I referenced that decision loss for the title two two and a half years ago to Archuleta but look at this he's on a four fight win streak but this this three straight wins submits James Gallagher gets a decision over Horiguchi after dominating him and now puts Magomed Magomedov to sleep like if he starts head kicking dudes he's going to be a complete fighter and, and going to be in comp- you know conversation for you know one of the best in the world but uh, while his striking has not fully come around you alluded to it it's functional dude and it sets up what he does best which is take the fight into the into the areas in which his strengths just cannot be stopped right now dude i can't wait to see what this final looks like against Rafian Stotts and whether Stotts can use the combination of the striking and his wrestling to to keep uh patchy mix at bay but right now luke patchy mix looks like he's one one step away from one one million bucks you know i mean he actually is but he looks like he is red hot ready to go and you know you love in any tournament when someone sort of just comes out of the weeds and makes that run and gets that momentum it's like i'll always remember andre ward in the showtime super six you'll remember daniel cormier jumping into that strike force world grand prix it just happens it's his time right now, and I'm very happy to see it from a guy who I don't think we've given enough love. Maybe it's just like you remember that first time he was in the major spotlight, like it was against Archuleta. It didn't go right, but it's about what you do after that. He's seemingly done everything right to get back to this point, so I'm happy to see that.
1: I just love seeing guys who are talented, and you know, you can see a potential for it, but then making their lifestyle. Work in such a way that they can get the most out of themselves, surrounding themselves with the right talent, putting in the right amount of work. Obviously, he's already got natural aptitude. He was, already, by the way, shouts to Jake Shields, one of his great coaches. But now it looks like he's got a bigger, larger support system in place that's all built around his success. Man, I was impressed. The two guys, uh, BC, for me, we'll talk about this when we do the Money Lion read, but the two guys who stood out to me this weekend were Patchy Mix and Ilya Teporia, two guys who absolutely took the game by the scruff of the neck and let everybody know what time it was. Patchy Mix had himself a weekend. making. Well, no here's what's interesting about it.
0: Both of those fights were early in the main card of a show. The idea of the Money Lion Hammer of the Month was sort of to, to look at people coming up maybe on the undercard, but sometimes, Luke... It might be early main card, but they're still coming on because they're changing your opinion of what you thought of them with breakthrough performances. So, yeah, I think both are hammer-worthy here. No doubt about it. All
1: right, and then last but not least from this Bellator card, BC, Liz Carmouche, I mean, making short work of Juliana Velazquez. No doubt about it this time whatsoever, BC. Biggest
0: takeaway from the fight for you is what? That she has responded well to criticisms of of parts of her game of late and learned everything she should have from that first fight, meaning... No, none of us thought she should have won the title in that way with the quickish stoppage from Mike Beltran when she beat Velasquez the first time. But I loved the sit-down interview we did with her, uh, you know, in Connecticut a couple days before this fight where she's like, look, I don't consider myself the champion until I beat her for real this time. But look, what did she tell us that she learned when you asked her from that first fight? She learned that Velasquez, you know, she almost gave her, the the former champion, too much credit heading into the first fight. We all said, you know, why couldn't she be as aggressive as she was against Kata Watanabe leading into that title shot. And some of it was she got countered clean in that first fight. But this was Liz Carmoose sort of waking up, which is what she told us in that interview and realizing, I'm better than this girl. I can, you know, my grappling's better. I, if I can stay aggressive, I can physically overwhelm her. And dude, her game plan was brilliant. No, she didn't come in reckless. No, she didn't decide to try to play chess with a probably a more... Scientific technical striker in Velasquez. Let's give, you know, the former champion credit. She counters well with that left hand. But how about Carmouche? Bum rushing her, forcing clinches, being more physical, but just chipping away at her constantly, whether that's digs to the body from the clinch, hard calf kicks. Look, she basically wore her down through. The kind of damaging shots that sometimes we overlook, but once it set her up in a position where she could take her down and implement her will, dude, Carmouche was patient. She was thorough and she absolutely earned this, which is great to see for somebody who's got so many layers to her legacy as, yeah, a pioneer lost to Rousey in the first UFC female fight. But, dude, I mean, you know, she ended Shevchenko her first loss. I mean, she's done some things across the board in this game and is now able to close. The chapter of her career. Although I'm not, you know, trying to say that she's retiring after this, but right. in her late 30s, pushing 40, to come out here and put this title down and redeem, right the wrong, if you will, of how that first fight ended. Dude, I couldn't be more impressed. Happy for her. It, it was just physicality that won this out, and it was a very smart adjustment, I thought, that she made.
1: Dude, I just, dude, she, she. What was the difference between this fight and the and and the last one? To me, Carmouche realized. Her takedown defense is not great. I thought Velasquez would have worked on it a lot, but she didn't. Remember, Liz also told us she didn't really use her judo, so I'm not really scared of it. That turned out to be quite pressing. It. Dude, from the word go, she, she did the Hamzat bit. She got shot out of a cannon and took the fight right to Karmouche. And BC, if you take two wrestlers, two fighters, whatever, two boxers, and let's say they're equally skilled, in this case, you know, everyone's got a little bit of difference here and there, but just for a hypothetical sense, you take two fighters who are equally skilled. But one operates with significantly more force and intensity. What's going to happen? That person's going to win. It's just they're always going to win. And yep. she did that to her. She took it right to her. God, I gotta say, Velasquez was like surprisingly nonchalant in this fight. There were times when, you know, Karmushwa had her locked up and was waiting for her to make a mistake so she could advance position. She was just kind of sitting there, not but really mounting was, a defense, not mounting it was an the offense. Grinding. Just,
0: Look She's how there. much does it wear on you when somebody's just constantly hitting hard strikes on your legs, on your body, on like I mean, it was just like she broke the foundation down of who Velasquez is, and then once she you know weakened her to the point where she can succumb, she took revenge. It's almost as if Livs Karmouche came to the Bell- Bellator, and by the way, came here in a weird way, lost to Shevchenko in their rematch for the title, which is one of the worst title fights in. To be fair, worst performances by a title challenger we've ever seen. Yes, yes. and it was almost we, as if we that- told her. It was almost as if that killed her confidence, and slowly but surely, she's kind of waking up and realizing, "I'm actually better than all the all all the women in this division." I just have to be more of me. I have to be aggressive. I mean, what was that story she told us about weightlifting? I mean, she is a gorilla, Luke. You know, and I say that positively. She she found the best way to put that together and just over. I mean, she made Velasquez look ordinary. That that was impressive. It was very impressive.
1: Yeah, I, I, the, but the thing about to me with again, don't get me wrong. Carmouche like clearly was like, okay, what worked in the first fight? Let's dial the intensity up on that. Let's get right to it. Let's not give her an ounce uh, of air, no space. Take the fight right to her. One hundred percent, the right game plan. She executed. She looked so much better. All the credit in the world to Liz. But I just thought, and this is like, people might be saying, oh, I'm taking away from Liz here. But but listen to what I'm saying. I'm not doing that. Liz took the fight to her in a new and improved way. You would expect Velasquez to have some kind of new or you know equally intense answer, and she didn't. She just let herself get overwhelmed. It was, and that's
0: what's cool about it. Carmouche fought like the fighter who was wronged the first time, right? Because in some ways she was wronged. She fought like Shogun
1: in the rematch with Machida. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And can we shout out Coach Chuck Charles Martinez out of Virginia? Who Coach Chuck
1: on uh, by the way on Instagram? Tons of good advice he puts out.
0: Looked like a different fighter under Coach Chuck, so it was good to see that. I mean, she's been with him. Did she say she's kind of always been with him, but, but she moved this, her camp to But this was Virginia. the
1: time she took her camp and moved it to Virginia Beach for yeah. him to be around him, so she got a lot of different looks. She looked great. Liz Carmouche looked to me like, however much longer BC, this is the last thing I'll say on this, however much longer she has in her career, I feel like she's extended it a little bit. Well, what she just you think of to the, be really, really sharp.
0: Of the 2023 plan, she told Big John afterwards, she wants Bellator to make a women's bantamweight division so that she could face her good friend Lima Leigh McFarlane in Hawaii in what would be the Pineapple Princess's final career fight, and then she wants to close out the year by defending her title in a rematch with Watanabe in, did she say Japan?
1: Maybe. I'm not sure.
0: I mean, she did kind of house Kana the first time. I don't know if we need that rematch, but hey, uh, you know, shoot your shot, Liz, all right?
1: All right, last but not least, let's talk about some boxing. So fifth point here, Bud Crawford, you know, what uh, wasn't expecting much, but in the sixth round, he he sends David Avanesian into the land of Wind and Ghost with a, just a phenomenal two-punch combination because Bud is quite talented in front of a very large, I think, sold-out hometown crowd. BC, I mean, Bud did what we expected Bud to do.
0: I did mean, learn it, anything from it? There's just No, there's not much to say. Get credit to Bud after the long layoff, and, and in his reasoning, the the major reason why he was pushing for this fight outside of the fact that BLK Prime guaranteed him $10 million to do this thing, Luke, is that he didn't want to go into a Spence fight, if it can still happen, rusty or whatever. Well, look, you know, he shook off that rust and showed you exactly who he still is in the conversation among the pound-for-pound pound best in the world. Obviously, the larger picture is sort of the business elements that played into this. It's like, you know, there's some chatter online that all the, you know, everyone's so upset about Spence Crawford not happening right now that we're sort of cheering against BLK Prime, the streaming site, which put on this pay-per-view from, you know, playing a role in boxing moving forward. No one's out here like hating on that. It's just sort of the way this came together was really the the the, the worst case scenario for boxing fans. It doesn't mean Crawford Spence still can't happen next year amid rumors that Spence might fight uh Keith Thurman next year. We'll see if that happens. But Luke, I mean, I think the way this all played out Unlike the Mayweather-Pacquiao build, where each time they didn't fight each other, it just kept building the want. I almost feel like this is doing something negative to the idea of Crawford-Spence. But, you know, he did what he had to do. I mean, the rumors are that they sold about five and a half pay-per-views, Luke. Um, So, you know, I mean, they had Todd Grisham on the call, though, so shout out for that. But Do they have Todd
1: Grisham? They had Paulie Malignaggi. They had Antonio Tarver. They had, like, a lot of names on there.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we're not going to get to it, but, I mean, there's bigger, unfortunately for Bud, there's bigger stories this past weekend. Josh Warrington lost his featherweight world title to Luis Alberto Lopez in an upset, and Luke, Teofimo Lopez is kind of the real story boxing-wise this weekend in a lot of ways. He is.
1: Uh, so let's talk about him. So Teofimo Lopez scores a split decision over Sandor Martin. BC, I'll put it to you like this. True or false? Lopez did not look great and was lucky to get the win. True or false?
0: Yeah, that's true. And, and and I don't mean that he fought a bum and almost lost. No, Sandor Martin, we got to put some respect on this guy's name. He knows how to box. He's a gritty southpaw who took some damage in this fight and just kept his strategy. And I don't get from Team Lopez to some very respected names in boxing online were crying that Sandor was running the whole night. No, he wasn't. He was standing in and fighting. He dropped Teo in round two, which was a surprise. And even though Lopez didn't get credited with a knockdown later in the fight that he probably should have gotten that extra point. Um, Sandro Martin, who upset Mikey Garcia and retired him. He made this fight as close as it was, but in the larger picture, is this show some concern for who Teofimo Lopez is right now and who he might be at 140 pounds. Yeah. Luke big time concern. He secured the opportunity to be the mandatory for Regis pro world title at 140 pounds. I'm not sure that's a great matchup at this exact moment for Teofimo until he can figure some things out. Luke, we're going to have to have some real conversations right now, you and I, because you know how much I love Teo as a person. I know how much you respect his game. I've been interviewing this guy since he had single digits in the pro fights. He just talked so well, and he always delivered. But the combination of all the drama in his life mixed with moving up in weight here. I don't want to say he looked average because that's not true. He looked like a guy who showed flashes of the guy he used to be, but he also looked like a guy who's incomplete right now, is unable to put it together. And while it's good news in the often turbulent personal life of Teofimo that he's back with his wife, the the mother of his young son, I, I couldn't cheer more for that development on him. But, Luke, I think the larger conversation may be his corner and his father, Teofimo Sr., and whether or not this is a relationship boxing-wise that is holding Tao back, I'm starting to believe for the first time that given the fact this guy's still crazy young, I'm not sure we ever see again, unless something major changes, the version that he was at 135, upsetting Lomachenko to become the, at that point, undisputed lightweight champion, one of the pound-for-pound best in the world. It seemed like the moment he was able to financially wiggle that that mandatory bout against Cambosis uh, into a purse bid, which, of course, put him at odds for a minute with Top Rank, and then that turned into that long soap opera. Then he got punched in the chest by Bjorn Thornson Luke, and he almost died in that fight against Cambosis. And ever since then, man, ever since that purse bid, I swear, it seems like there's been a black cloud over Teofimo. And, mm. you know, he's been open and honest about his mental health challenges, and he's considered suicide, unfortunately, in some dark times. We saw how his relationship with his, with his wife fell apart. But he's not right right now. And I think some of that is exasperated by the idea that at 135, he was so spectacular, his timing was so there, and he's so big for a lightweight with explosive, almost Roy Jones-like power, that that sometimes could make up for the mistakes just by the fact that when he touched these guys, he'd get put away. Now, that doesn't explain how he beat Lomachenko. That night, he was everything he could be and more. Teofimo and his dad have made some large, early, bold claims in his career. But up until the Lomachenko fight, they were amazingly able to back all those up. But since then, Luke, you know, you say about, can we put Humpty Dumpty back together on the wall? Unfortunately, all of the trauma, physical, mental, emotional, that he's taken on since then, he's still not right. That's not Teofimo Lopez that we know who went out there and barely won that fight. He didn't fight badly. We can't overlook Sandor Martin. But, Luca, do you echo what I'm echoing here, which is concern? Not concern that, you know, he's going to start losing and get knocked out every time, but concern that he may not ever be able to fully bottle and encapsulate how great he can be again. And some of that might be the natural, his body outgrowing 135 and moving up to 140, meaning does his power have that same effect where he's never been a pure boxer, can he fight this style at 140 against these elite guys? Now, Sando Martin is right around that conversation but wasn't good enough to upset him here. But if you're going to start fighting Josh Taylor, Regis Progre, Jose Ramirez, I mean, you know, all these guys at 140, how about the guys coming up from 35? I don't know if that power anymore is going to alter the fights like it once was. Luke, he's not right at the moment. And I'm, I'm a little nervous for him moving forward.
1: I thought his... I was surprised he didn't have any pop, to be quite honest with you. I was really surprised. And I know that, like, this is not the first fight at 140 where you've seen this, but I thought, you know, he was working out the jitters the previous time, and no, it seems like there might be some translation issues. There was a tweet from Regis Progray that I saw that I thought was really quite um, interesting. He tweeted out, this was yesterday, he tweeted out, all jokes aside, I hope Teo is okay. Boxing is a tough and lonely sport, and it can be very taxing mentally. I think he might need some changes in his personal life. Yeah, dude, he's not the same. This is not the guy who was going out there and blowing the doors off of Comey or, you know, you name it, who just looked electric when he was fighting. He looks fine.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons.
1: He looks okay. He looks even good at certain points. He doesn't look great. He doesn't look sharp. He doesn't look in control. He doesn't look like he used to look. And whether it's the fact that he's still training in a situation that may not be optimal or personal life problems or... You know, he's buying into his own hype and he's just not doing the things he needs to do. I guess we shall see. But BC, it's a bad time for him to kind of be flagging because Regis Progre, he's had his ups, ups and downs, but he looked awesome in his last fight. Yeah. And now, if Progre is the guy who's in front of Lopez for his next fight, that's like the, they're, they're catching each other while one guy is surging and one guy is declining. Doesn't look good for Lopez. I'm just no. not seeing the same dude that we saw who beat Lomachenko. Everything after that has just been off and weird and not him.
0: And, you know, I I don't, I mean, him and his dad have such a unique relationship, but you do have to start to wonder whether, you know, could they bring in a second trainer just for another set of eyes? Is that even possible? I I don't want to see him and his dad fall on bad terms, but for the future of his career, not only do I think he needs another trainer or another set of eyes. um, uh, Look, as I said before, I have concerns because I'm wondering now if, If that explosiveness and that power, think of the Comey fight, as you mentioned. Dude, he just touched him and the fight was over. I'm wondering if sometimes, you know, there's only four or five pounds sometimes separating these divisions. And the difference between 135 and 140, five pounds, right? Not that much. But sometimes people find that wall where their power just doesn't translate the same. Think of Adrian Broner at 135 compared to who he is at 40 and 47. Just not the same. Some of that is work ethic. Some of that is drama outside. But even though Teo was in great shape and he seemed to be saying the right things coming in, damn, dude, damn. Look, for a guy so young who upset Lomachenko, pound for pound ranking, damn, I got concerns. I got legitimate concerns, man. Damn. You hate to see it.
1: Not a great look, but it is what it is. Okay, with that in mind, BC, let's do this. Uh, You know, UFC 282 was over the weekend, uh, Bellator 289. And both cards had hashtag Hammer of the Month potential all over them. BC, as you know, Aaron Blanchfield, who was last month's winner for Hammer of the Month, we have now some competition heading into the next month, although they're not really competing in that sense, ultimately. But for those of you who've been living under a rock the past few episodes, our favorite show sponsor, Money Lion, the only app, money app you'll ever need.
0: Have, we have a brand new segment,
1: BC, do we not?
0: Yeah, we have a brand new segment, Luke. It's called Hammer of the Month, brought to you by those great people at Money Lion, the only people that know how to do money the right way, right? I mean, the, you, right. You, you want to, you want you want to be with somebody who knows how to money. All right. Be with Moneyline, but here's the deal. They love seeing fighters on the rise who maybe weren't getting the, 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 the attention before, but are punching or kicking or submitting their way through your screen to demand that. So if you're out there watching fights, why don't you at Moneyline on Twitter at Moneyline Inc on Instagram, put that hashtag hammer of the month. Put that hashtag holy hammer of who you believe was coming on. Luke, when I look at UFC 282, yeah, Ilya Tepori against Bryce Mitchell was, well, whoa. But, dude, how about Edmund Shabazi and turning back a, a three-fight losing streak with a new team after a long layoff and stopping Lugan Bula? How about Jairzinho Rosenstruck in 23 seconds against Chris Douglas? How about teenager Raul Rosas Jr. stepping into his UFC debut and absolutely just... Making new fans left and right. We have more than a few names this week to shout out at the potential for the future. But this month, Luke, somebody's bringing home that giant-ass hammer, and I can't wait to see who it is.
1: No doubt about it. So very simple on how you do it. Of course, you can go and follow at MoneyLion on Twitter or at MoneyLionInc on Instagram. Use that hashtag, Hammer of the Month. Let us know who you think. For me, it's either Patchy Mix or Ilya Toporia from this past weekend. But, of course, you could have all the names NBC mentioned there, or whatever hey, one you think actually is the best. You know who
0: my pick is? You ready yeah. for this? Friend of the program. So is this is this is this, you know, making it harder for me? Yes. But dude, Billy Q and Alexander Hernandez, Hernandez both agreed to just go to featherweight war. And Billy Q came back from crimson face, just oh God. Hey, Billy Quarantillo, love you, brother. That's a big win, man. You needed that? You got it. It's because you're tough as nails. Yo, that's some hammer of the month potential right there, Luke.
1: No doubt about it. Hammer of the month for real. So for more information, moneylinecom slash morning combat. All right, let's go to the DMs because we have been going on for very long here. What a
0: show. What a comeback for BC right here. What What a a comeback.
1: All right, we'll we'll jump right into it, BC, from at Cole underscore Brown 858. Your opinion on the situation with Anthony Smith learning that his fight with Jamal Hill is off live on the post-fight show. BC, before you react, we actually have the video of it. Let's roll the video.
0: Announcing at the uh, press conference, you guys, that Jamal Hill will be fighting Glover Teixeira in January. Um, I know, obviously, you're stunned by this news. Just the yeah. reaction for that light yeah. heavyweight
1: title uh, now between those two. Yeah, that's a problem for, uh, for me. Huh. That's a big problem for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm obviously, just I have
0: so okay. much respect for you digesting this news right now yeah. because, as your friend and colleague, to all of a sudden have that Jamal Hill fight go away, yeah, and now he's going to be fighting Glover Teixeira for the title. Well, you're I don't
1: what- announcing at the uh, press conference, you guys. You that Jamal yeah, that Hill sucks, will be man. Shout him. out
0: to John Anik, the professional there, massaging that situation live like he needed to. But you feel for Anthony Smith right here, and it plays into that larger conversation we had about was this the right decision? It's like. It's constant sort of rob from this to pay this and just sort of making it up as they go along. But could Anthony Smith versus Jamal Hill been part of this tournament? An acceptable fight coming up? Absolutely. Now you got Anthony Smith almost deeper out of the title picture in general and needing a big win to to re-enter that. But Luke, things move quickly in the UFC. They often make quick decisions. Some we love, some we don't like. A true professional, there. Anthony Smith fielded that the best way he did. But dude, when you're in camp preparing for someone, you know a guy in a three fight win streak who's trying to make new waves. That that's your ticket back into that conversation by defeating him. That sucks to see for a guy that we like a lot on the show. I mean, look, we said it during RSD. That guy's Factory Town MMA material right there. Okay, Factory I'm
1: Town sorry. MMA material, and it puts him in a really interesting and bad spot. I mean, let's look at the rankings here very quickly, BC. So you've got you know Yuri or Harvard, Yeezy Yeezy, whatever the fuck, he's out. Glover is going to be fighting Jamal. Jan just drew. Magomed just drew. Rakic is out because he's injured. And then there's Anthony. Then there's Jamal. Then there's Krilov, and then Craig and Uzdemir. He already is beaten Uzdemir. I guess he could fight Krilov and Craig. But he has to fight someone now even lower ranked than Jamal Hill, which I don't think he wants to do. And Jamal Hill was a good stylistic matchup for him. Jamal Hill is very, very talented on the feet. I think it was a real threat to anybody there. But on the ground, I think Smith has a pretty big advantage and I don't know that that's the case with Paul Craig or Krilov in the same way. And again, he might beat those guys too, but that doesn't, I don't know, man, if you're Smith, you're like, that was a lot. It's one thing to be like, I'm just under the whims of an organization that can just do whatever they want. And the other one is like, now it's a substantive change to whoever you were going to be fighting. It, it, it yeah. sucks, man. It really sucks.
0: Them the breaks, Luke, you know?
1: All right. From at it's not cage fighting. Who had the more damaging fight week, Hamzat at 279 or Patty at
0: 282?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. BC, what do you think?
0: Okay. Initially, I would say Hamzat because, I mean, whether there's any kind of conspiratorial foul play or not, the next big thing in the sport who's ready to fight for the title in two divisions missed weight by like nine pounds or something, Luke. So, you know, that was pretty bad, but let's be fair. He could not have won that fight against Kevin Holland more dominant to kind of win us back a little. And then since then, all we're talking about when you when you hear Dana White and company is that guy in monster big fights moving forward. So right now, I I feel like it's Patty, but is it Patty? Because some people wanted to love him, but then saw the way that aerial thing played out and felt like they're looking at a disingenuous guy. So I think that's that's a big part of it. Whether that matters at all, you know. Numbers wise, money wise, in the long term, don't you feel like there were a lot of people that like went from loving themselves some patty to like being like, ah oh man, you know he's one of them.
1: Yes, uh, I do think that his his likability took some hits, and then he had. I mean, I think he would have. I'll say this for Hamzat: like all the things Hamzat did were all messed up, but then he goes up there and just fucking blows the doors yeah. off of uh, Kevin Holland. And in this particular case, Patty didn't. And no. it's like, ugh, you know. So maybe Patty had a worse one, to be honest with you. I thought, like, I thought that Hamza did a lot more damage to himself based on the way that he handled it, but then he fought really well, right? And so people were like, okay, Hamza versus Alex Pereira, that's going to be great. And you don't hear a lot of that now no. on the Patty side. Like, oh, what would be a fun, interesting fight? People are like, who is this guy? It's a very different kind of thing, you know.
0: I mean, Um, how much longer is Dave Portner going to sit in the front row at UFC fights, Luke, as long as Patty keeps winning?
1: Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, like, Dave needs someone who can whisper in his ear about some prospects that got a brighter future, (laughs) I think.
0: He should be rushing over to Russia, Luke, to to find some hammers that are coming on right now, okay? You know what I'm saying? He
1: really should. So, um, anyway, so that's that. All right, BC from... That ability to change. This is an interesting question. Oh, I don't know if you, you might not know about this. I've been reading a lot about this. With the rise of open source AI software, Chat GPT, and incompetent judging, do you foresee a world where the, where AI, uh, artificial intelligence, could assist, not replace, judging as a tool? For example, if there was an AI program that was somehow powerful enough to understand strikes and even some elements of grappling, how do you think it would fare as an extra tool for the judges' disposable? This to me does not seem like a correct read of what Chat GPT can do. Do you know what Chat GPT is?
0: No, this nerd robot stuff is making me a little nervous. So this is
1: an interesting one. They've basically come up with something, and this is one of the few things I've ever seen that could replace Google, where, for example, I could go to ChatGPT and I could ask him, ChatGPT, give me a sense of how I'm going to make up two philosophers. They were um, sort of uh, opposites when they were around at the time. Give me a sense of who would have a better vision of the future for the disabled in a world where Robert Nozick's philosophy was adopted versus John Rawls, I right? very esoteric, very specific questions, and ChatGPT can take and uh, and source information from the internet to give you like a very accomplished, thoughtful read on this. You could you could do things like what system of governance works better in some kind of population with these kinds of characteristics that value these kinds of, you know, open liberty or whatever. And it could actually give you an academic answer full-throated. Whereas if I just did that on Google, it would give me pages of stuff behind JSTOR, like you couldn't even get it, or, you know, just garbage and nonsense. It wouldn't really give me anything I needed. Chat GPT can actually take basically an expert's opinion instantly synthesize it into a particular problem and give you an actual answer that wouldn't really work here because you would need ai to either observe the fight or have stats enough that give it enough of an answer to make a a judgment call which we don't have yet but that's what chat gpt can essentially do to do chat gpt could write your like papers in college for you that's how powerful it is
0: didn't we learn a lesson from attack of the clones luke although those all those robots were really put together stupidly they're easy to take out with one shot but um you know eventually luke the ai and the robots are going to overwhelm us and um you know mike mormel reaches in right now hilariously and says the smart cage should incorporate that luke if, the, if that cage was smart they'd already be using that technology but i mean luke didn't know you know isn't it enough that machines are taking away all of our jobs luke and they're closing down the factories now we're gonna put put our future in the hands of a robot that's could be secretly programmed to kill us all, Luke. I'm not into this idea at all.
1: I got to tell you, it's kind of funny that everyone thought that truck drivers were going to be the first ones to be replaced, and it turns out that like tenured professors actually might be the first ones to go. Yeah. Uh, is really the kind of interesting. What's part. next? No more
0: Uber drivers because you can the car will drive you into a wall, Luke. I, you know, at some point, Luke, technology will go too far, and it's going to take us, you know, old guys who remember what it's like to ha- own a rotary phone to stand in and say, you know what, I can handle that myself. Okay. I mean, I don't love me some Doug Crosby right now, but I'd rather have him score the fight over some damn computer, Luke. Yeah, All right, like Here's you know, an
1: example. Explain quantum computing in simple terms. It could do that. It your droids that. aren't
0: welcome in this place, Luke, okay?
1: All right, All right. Uh, moving on here from this, at Gavin underscore Collier. Are there any notable robberies in MMA or boxing that favored the B-side fighter? Ooh, BC, that's a good question. Uh,
0: yeah, Pacquiao Bradley. Was that a robbery? Where I come from, it was yeah. Brian Kenny is is the only one that still thinks uh, Tim won, along with Hall of Famer Tim Bradley. But um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Tim, Tim no, okay, thinks look, Tim won. That was still a pay per view fight between pound for pound rank guys. I guess what you're talking more about is has there been a robbie where there was like the clear B side, both in ability and in terms of marketing? Um, yeah, I'm sure that's happened. I'm, but i'm trying okay i'm i, I say i I'm sure that's happened a lot but look what are we missing here what, what can we remember So the
1: biggest robbery in mma history again i was there for it is mike easton versus chase bb but mike easton was the a side so yeah. that's why it doesn't work here um i don't know i'd have to think about that i don't know not, not off not off the top of my head and this is I, dude this is the part to me that got me it's like everyone's like well it should have been a split decision but that's for, for patty but that's really not how it works like it do, just because it was split versus unanimous doesn't mean that the judges didn't think it was a close fight, and and a unanimous one versus a split one doesn't necessarily tell you about the competitiveness of the bout, right? So that's that. There's a gap between that. Another reason the scoring criteria sucks ass. But the but that is the reality. But the point being here is like, they, dude, again, all three judges gave it to Patty, and two of the three gave him round one. It's like. What the fuck is this? Yeah. What the on, fuck Crosby. is this?
0: I did see a stat on Twitter that the 50-45 scorecard for Sabatello from Doug Crosby was the first time that the a losing fighter in MMA, was, I don't know if it's just title fights or if it was in general, where the, the losing fighter had been given the, the shutout. 50-45, of
1: yeah, I think yeah. that's true. I've never seen it before.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. All right, I'm still yeah, scared great. about the robots, Luke, okay?
1: Uh, dude, you see the uh, the the using the robots in San Francisco? For like certain um, kinds of policing effects, like that—that that is. The what scary if shit. what
0: if one day your wife finds what the robot can do to be more efficient, and better, and, and handsomer than you, Luke? Okay, you'll be replaced there too. Okay. Yeah, that's probably true. It's good. I don't TV mean to enter your marriage bed openly here like this and out you like that, but you know, I'm sure that robot knows exactly where to find it. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. From
1: at J Matt X,
0: best and worst
1: Christmas gifts you've ever received growing up. So as an adult, doesn't count. This is this is going to be. You know, when you're living with your well, you've been living with your parents for a long time probably, but you know, living with your parents backwards. So what do you think? Look, I moved out out when I was
0: twenty one, okay, please.
1: That's pretty late.
0: Late? That's pretty early where I come from. Look, okay, you know what I mean? I got the I got out of there. Um, okay, the best to this day, the best Christmas of gift I ever got was Christmas of eighty six. I've told this story before, but when, when I was a big GI Joe guy there, Luke in third grade and my dad bought me the eight foot long aircraft carrier with all the vehicles and planes, and he stayed up all night, putting it together in the garage and at 3 AM while carrying it up the stairs, these are basement stairs that have like holes in them. And then like, there's just more basement underneath dropped the entire aircraft carrier into a million pieces and swore, you know, to wake up the entire neighborhood And then, like, a real dad sat there and put it all back together until morning, Luke. Imagine being eight, seven, eight, walking downstairs and seeing an eight-foot toy set up with all the everything out there, Luke. Nothing will ever top that Christmas. Nothing. Ever. Okay, and worst... I mean, what constitutes a worse gift? Is it a gift that you wanted, but it ended up sucking? Or is it just a bad gift where you're like, I can't believe parents. This was my big gift this year. This sucks. I don't Either, think I've really just, had just, just the I one had that just Christmas. caused
1: you like, I cannot fucking believe I got this. One. The
0: bad gift was them keeping me until fifth grade thinking that the that that fat guy was was sliding down <laughs> the chimney, Luke. I mean, OK, that was the that was the, you know, the amount of abuse I took for for holding firm in that belief. OK, that was the the worst gift I ever got.
1: Uh for, okay, best gift. Um, I'm trying to think. Probably a bike I got in seventh grade that I ended up using for a long time. They got me like a big bike. So because I was I I I've been this height since I was 14 years old, right? Oh, so I I just like ballooned. So that bike actually like did me good all the way through the end of high school. I could still all use right. it. It was still. So that was like one of my favorite, favorite bikes. I just loved that bike. It was so great. It was all black. It was even the lettering was black on black, you know? So it was just super cool. Was it a
0: Mongoose, Luke?
1: I don't know. I think it was a Schwinn. Yeah. Maybe something Um, else, but it was cool. It was super cool. We
0: were the last kids to get 8 bit Nintendo, but I'll give my parents credit in fourth grade, Luke. Uh, They waited until after the Christmas presents were opening and it was done and it was kind of like the you know the 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 you'll shoot your eye out gun and then like oh wait i think there's one more gift over there and luke it was nintendo with like a ton of games that moment that's my second,
1: dude. How about my dad, who would never get me Nintendo until Super Nintendo came out, and then I got Nintendo. Yeah,
0: then you got Nintendo. Yeah. By the yeah, way, and kid. Or couple- when the
1: when the what was it? Whatever the the successor to the Super Nintendo was, and then it was like, you guys want a Super Nintendo? It's like, fuck yeah, off. You,
0: you guys want yeah. Arby's coupons? I got a few yeah. left over. Dude, from dude worst gift. This you. is a
1: true story. Like, you know, I'm not trying to. You know, like rest in peace to my mom. She tried, but like, do you remember the remote control cars? That they the the remote itself had a handle and like a user board and the way in which you turned the steering wheel it actually had a little wheel on the thing itself okay and it was like the cars could do anything i mean they could go in any number of directions it was amazing right all the cool kids had that and my mom got me this bullshit remote control car which had just one button and if you hit it it made right turns that's it that's all it could fucking do was turn yeah. in circles or go straight. Turn into like, the wall. Right.
0: My NASCAR turns left all the time, not yeah. right. Come on.
1: And it sucked. And it couldn't go fast. It wasn't nimble. I couldn't take that fucking thing anywhere. It blew. Yeah. So I remember being like, seriously, like you
0: couldn't. Okay, all right. You should have just ran it right into the wall like Dale Senior did, Luke. All right.
1: BC, I asked the chat GPI for. I asked it a question. Ready? My yep. question was: Why is mixed martial arts legal? That's what I asked it. Okay. We we want to hear its answer. Yeah. MMA uh, or mixed martial arts is a combat sport that combines techniques from a variety of martial arts and fighting styles. It is legal in most countries because it is regulated by athletic commissions or other governing bodies, which ensure that the sport is conducted safely and fairly. In addition, most MMA fighters are highly trained and skilled athletes who are able to competently defend themselves and their opponents. Uh, uh, That doesn't make sense a little bit. As long as the rules of the sport are followed and the safety of the fighters is upheld, MMA is generally considered a legal and legitimate
0: form of competition. Pretty good. Pretty good. But can you kick my ass, computer? You know what I'm saying at the end of the day? All right.
1: Uh, By the way, did someone do the chat GPI? Did Mikey do the chat GPI for the Ali Act? Is that what you did, Mikey? Yeah. So here's what it says. He asked, what would the Ali Act do for MMA? And, And chat GPI said... It is difficult to say for certain whether MMA would be a better in a better position if they had adopted the Ali Act as the effects of implementing such a law would depend on various factors. The Ali Act was passed, blah, 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 blah. okay. If the Ali Act were applied to MMA, it could potentially provide for greater protections for MMA fighters and help to regulate the sport in a way that ensures fairness and transparent practices. However, It is also possible that the act could have unintended consequences for the sport, such as hindering its growth and development. Ultimately, the decision to adopt the Ali Act for MMA would need to be carefully considered and evaluated by the relevant stakeholders in the sport. Tell me, that's not a good answer for an undergraduate. That's pretty good.
0: Okay, so are they going to become professors now too? These damn computers, Luke. What are they going to? We don't need a referee anymore. The smart cage will take care of that, right? (laughs) We don't need uh, a legal that's... system. The smart cage will just electrocute you, okay? You know what I mean? Then we'll feed you to the poor like soil and green. I mean, what are we What are we doing, Luke? You're bringing on All Armageddon right. right now? You're just willing? Oh, you no, know, the computers are great. They're great. Yeah, it's, they. It's t- sure. It's time
1: for BC's feces.
0: All right. Uh, Luke, I scoured the globe uh, from the airport yesterday um, to give you a snapshot of the good, the bad, the ugly, the highs and lows from combat sports and beyond. And by beyond, Luke, I mean a wedding in Charleston, South Carolina. This is... Have you seen this shit?
1: Have you seen this shit?
0: Oh, God. Ow, ow. Luke, we start in Charleston. One of the best weddings I've ever been to. Shout out to cousin Mike Campbell for having me among the groomsmen. Luke, look at that. That's Mike on the left, the handsome uh, dude. And this was a... He works uh, for Dale Jr. at JR Motorsports as a PR guy. So a lot of NASCAR at this wedding... We had Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, but you can see in the middle me hamming it up with one Bubba Wallace, Luke. How about this, right? Dude, Bubba Wallace got a thick-ass neck. Yep. Uh You can see, Luke, thanks to Joseph A. Banks of West Hartford, Connecticut, that I got the wrong tie, but uh, I still fit in well with this group. Brandon McReynolds, shout-out. And the guy on the right, the ball guy, Luke, the only bald Campbell they ever made, Cousin Connor, got that dog in him. Arf, arf. So, Luke, you know, what a weekend, right? Weddings remind you how much you actually do love your family and that— you know, you can press pause once in a while from work, but uh yeah. you know what I'm saying, Luke? I, I was I was rolling elbow rubbing elbows with some uh rubbins racing down there. It was good good times, great oldies. So there good you go. Good to see
1: it. Good to see it.
0: Uh that's my family, Luke. Let's see yours. Topic two takes us to UFC two eighty two, but before then, let's listen in on HQ. Sorry. Um, here. This is
1: a... Hey look at this, everyone. She just walked on in. Sorry about that. Um, okay, why don't you go on out there? <laughs> What's her pick? We can, we can fix that later. <laughs> yep, yep, you're welcome. All right, sorry about that.
0: Um... Uh, Luke, you looked a little overwhelmed there by Tukey Thomas. Did you play this on Friday's show? Uh,
1: that was actually on Friday night. That was okay. Uh, okay. that was like 6.30. I did a 6.30 hit for them, so that was All after right, the so show.
0: we got to talk about this. One, people wanted her prediction on Pimblet Gordon, and she didn't give it, but two... Yeah, can, can we get a lock? Can we get a lock on the office door here, Luke?
1: Yeah, I forgot to lock it because I here's the problem. I normally would lock it, but they came home early. Uh, she was acting up at the place they were at, so they came home early, and I wasn't expecting them, and so that was why it was unlocked, and she just bar- barged right on in. My wife just letting her go, like, you know, just a fart in the breeze. Just let her, just let her go, and uh, she it. ran right to
0: the door. One day she will replace me as co-host. I know this is where it's going, Luke, but I'm here for it. Uh, thank you very much. Speaking of UFC 282, here's Patty Pimble at the press conference after his disputed decision win. When you look back in the history books, I've
1: got the little green marker next to my name with a W, so everyone else can suck me asshole.
0: Luke, if you're interested, you can How suck you his suck huge genus. That's a <laughs> yeah. weird thing. Did you watch the Cal Bastis uh, fight companion? R- Rampage Jackson was talking about that topic a lot, Luke.
1: No, what do you say?
0: How much he loves eating ass and he loves being on the other end of that salad, too, Luke. All right, so. Oh, you know, that's, just,
1: that's just a horrifying thought.
0: Grown ass man there, but uh, if you got a problem with Patty, you can eat his ass. All right, let's keep it going here, Luke. Here's teenager Raul Rosas Jr. after his big win. 50Gs. I would ask Santa Claus but I don't know if Santa Claus can give them to me right now after this fight, but, hey, I need them 50 Gs so I can buy my mother a minivan and she can give me a ride to the P.I. Woo! Luke, is the next move to uh, drop an Elk Boy's bag inside, like, an 89 Dodge uh, (laughs) Caravan and uh, give his mom a ride to the P.I.? I mean, the kid just wants to be able to work out for free, Luke.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to get the the Nelk boys back in the 89 Dodge Omni, but they might give him the 89 Dodge Omni.
0: All right, there you go. Shout out. I mean, look, he's asking for it. Give it to him. Uh, let's also hear from Jan Blahovich. I got a lot of respect for this move. This is after the decision. I don't know what to say. I won that fight. Why didn't I get my belt? I don't know what to say. Your
1: legs were compromised. Give the belt to uh, Uncle Iyer, you know. You think is he should get the belt. I agree. Yeah, but look, Jan Bohovich is an honorable man, ladies and gentlemen. How about a round of applause for Jan Bohovich?
0: I'm serious, Luke. You don't see that often. That's a class move right there.
1: Yeah, between him and Yuri, like, showing character as sportsmen, you got to love it.
0: All right. You know who showed character inside the cage for 23 seconds? It was... Jair Zinho Rosenstruck sending the Dalkus family back to hell, unfortunately, Luke. Were you impressed by this?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt like this was coming because he's a great counter-striker and he's very accurate.
0: This Dude, how about that running left hook? That looked like Stipe against Verdum, right?
1: Almost like a Superman punch, yeah.
0: Yeah, good shit right there. Damn, he needed that win, too, and he got it, okay? That's, what, that's the kind of man he is. Let's keep it going, Luke. Deep on the undercard. Speaking of young hammers, here's 20-year-old Cameron Simon. Samen?
1: Yeah, I Simon. had it on mute, so I didn't hear how they pronounced his name.
0: Uh, he proved a 7-0 and with this TKO, but, dude, that was pretty nasty, those knees. And,
1: and he looked like he had been down uh, early in the fight. Like he had to kind of rally a little bit. He looked good. Uh, South
0: African kid. Yeah, future, future hammer in the waiting here. Let's go to Bellator 289 from the Mohegan Sun. Here's Rafion Stotz after Sabatello left the cage. <laughs> Fuck you, Sabatello! That shit was terrible, Luke. I love me some Raffian Stotts. Where you? That's a uh, pretty good impression. That's a pretty good impression. Thank you, thank you. Um, that that was pretty funny, dude. Uh, was that i'm l- l- I mean, A little bit
1: off key in that one. A little bit yeah, off key.
0: Yeah. All right. Shout out to Raffian Stotts' dad, uh cage side there, living it living it up. Uh, let's 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 gawk at Patchy Mix just being incredible, Luke. Here was the finish on Muhammad. Dude,
1: look at this guillotine. It's almost like a uh, anaconda. It, it was sort of working the same way, but so
0: how key is trapping the leg right there?
1: Very key. It, it prevents them from rolling away. Like think about the pressure. Right, the head is being turned upside down. If he didn't have the leg, he could just walk his body to the other end and reduce virtually all of the pressure, or at least a good portion of it, on the choke. He could just move his body around it. I mean, that's why a choking and then having a person's body under control is important. I've got the body controlled. Now I can sort of like you know go for the choke, but yeah. if you don't have it, it's not so good. But trapping that leg, damn! Look at let me look at the results.
0: Also, Wild Man Pat Downey, Luke Wrestling's bad boy, took his first down oh in the God, MMA cage. Dude, not Hammer of the Month. Here's Christian Eccles putting Pat and his wild hair away. Dude, Pat Downey was
1: minus twenty five hundred to win this fight. Why was he so tired? Two and a half minutes into round one, I don't understand. I
0: don't know. I I wish I had the guy's name. Somebody DM me. They're like, "Yo, I went to high school with Pat." Here's like seven insane stories about what it was like, and I was like, "Damn,
1: dude!" Right? Someone says he had his dog at the Fighter Hotel. <laughs> 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 John Jones uh, did that once. Yeah. John Jones did that once.
0: Let's go to the boxing weekend recap. So, Luke, here was the face-off between Teofimo and Sandor Martin a couple days before the fight. Let's listen in. It's okay, it's coming. Okay. I don't know. In hindsight, should we have realized Sandor was for real after that moment, Luke?
1: I couldn't hear a word he said.
0: Yeah, I think it was more about the faces. It almost looked like Teofimo started happy, and then slowly it was just like, Ngh. It was interesting. But here is uh, Martin. Get it was in Spanish, anyways. as gaff would tell us, so yeah. I don't understand that, Luke. But here's Martin dropping Teofimo yeah. around right
1: too. Oh, Martin hurt.
0: And so they yeah, called it a slip on the broadcast. On but look, you look at the replays. He got he check got right check hooked there. It was like a pull counter.
1: He did. He did. He came around the corner. Now, he was moving forward, so some of it might be off-balancing, but he got hit with a shot, and he tripped. Like,
0: All right, Luke, as a postscript, postscript to us being concerned here about Teofimo, I want you to listen closely about what the camera picked up after the fight. Do, so I saying, do I
1: still got it is that what he said yeah
0: he's straight up saying to his team with the camera on him do I still have it so Luke he did his celebratory backflip like he always does on Heisman night wearing the jersey of the Heisman winner from hours before but he barely stuck the landing and it was kind of like uh you know unfortunately uh, an image of maybe where he's really at I mean I, I don't you know have you heard that before an elite fighter looking into the camera being like man am I am I still that good do I still have it
1: and he's 24. You know, damn.
0: Uh, on the undercard. Also, by though, the way,
1: the kid who won the Heisman from Washington D.C. That's what I'm that? talking
0: about. Yep, D.C. Proper and, and like
1: D.C. Proper. He went to Gonzaga High School, which is just down North Capitol Street.
0: A lot of D.C. Proper shirts at the Baltimore Airport this weekend, Luke. Okay, saw it. I saw it, bro. Uh, here's Jared Big Baby Anderson. He was on the top rank undercard. He's looking like the best young American heavyweight prospect. But here's his walkout, Luke. You down for this?
1: Yeah, I kind of am. I'm, I'm all about Grinches. Especially like like dancing Grinches.
0: Yeah, he beat up a guy he should have, but look, he's looking good. All knockouts in every one of his win. Uh, He's Big baby Jared Anderson's looking like he's coming on. Uh, Here's Bud Crawford in Omaha, as we mentioned. Here's the stoppage, a good one, against David Avenison in round six.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bud's precision here is he just catches and shoots. Oh, my Lord, it is. is
0: I mean, look, no one's doubting it. He's still got it, dude, okay? We love, I mean, seriously, as a fighter, love me some Bud Crawford, but... Hey, I guess make your make that money player, right? Ten million, bro. Ten I have, million. I haven't
1: seen the clip yet, but Chris Algieri said if he approached, if Bud Crawford approached approached the Spence fight with the style he used here, yeah. he would get he would get run over. Interesting.
0: Uh Manny Pacquiao was back, Luke, in uh Asia here, boxing YouTuber DKU. He drops you here in round five. It would go the distance over six. Luke, I didn't watch it. I don't know if he was carrying you. Uh, I don't know if you care about him beating you, but did you hear that the 44-year-old afterwards said, yeah, guys, I'm back. Give me Spence, give me Crawford. I'm back. I told you that moment was coming, Luke. He's back, okay?
1: Yeah, I have zero interest, and I hope that there is no athletic commission who's saying that.
0: All right, I don't want him against either Spence or Crawford. I think the Ugas fight showed us something. But, dude, him against Gervonta is still the fight I want. Why am I the only one in the world that thinks that's great matchmaking?
1: Yeah, no, no thanks. I'm good.
0: All right, boxing had a lot going on outside the ring this weekend. Luke, here's a Instagram live from Errol Spence Jr. He was in an accident. A 14 year old stole a car and hit him. Stole their parents' car. Luckily, Spence is okay. But Luke, let's watch this video. Scary, bro. Scary. Yeah, he ran the light. Damn.
1: Fuck my old shit up. Man, shut up. It don't matter. Oh it happened to me. And
0: I seen, I, I, I seen too. Look, it was good to see uh him, you I know, making light of it, although it seemed like he was <laughs> jawing with a bystander there, but damn dude, right? He this
1: guy trouble seems to follow him, man.
0: I mean, I'm not. No one's saying this is his fault. A 14 year old stole a car, ran a red light, and crashed into him. But that's, you know,
1: that's. Yeah, tough. yeah, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not. It's not his fault. But I'm saying like trouble seems to follow him.
0: Uh, Luke Adrian Broner was at the uh, did a press conference with BLK Prime before Crawford Avenison, in which he announced he'll be boxing Ivan Redkotch in February. But damn, dude, what's AB been eating lately?
1: I don't know. Is he going to be on the Biggest Loser before then? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, Luke, the story is that he's been talking trash to the media, to all PBC fighters, saying they need to get out. But, I mean, I hope that check clears, dude, you know?
1: Yeah, poor Adrian. I don't even know what to say about it anymore.
0: All right. Your nickname of the week comes from Friday's Rough and Rowdy card, Luke. Let's look at this. Here is Casey, I.E.S. Dale.
1: <laughs> and in case you weren't aware, uh,. <laughs> He puts it on his chest. Also, as a sort of a quote, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, and Dave Portnoy eat ass as well. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. a lot more he information has, than I care to learn. But
0: He has a temporary tattoo on his left pec that says I-E-S, similar yeah. to like goldenpalace.com on Bernard Hopkins's back back yeah, in the this day. This is a wow. gentleman.
1: If he wasn't doing this, he'd be stealing car stereos. So, you know, just let him have it. Not day, bad. Not bad.
0: Hey, your crowd fight of the week comes from the NHL game involving the Coyotes at Bruins. Let's enjoy this. Oh, shit.
1: You know, I don't think hockey fans... Well, that's not true. Like, in certain markets, hockey fans are worse than NFL fans. Like Flyers fans. Dude, every time I've gone to a Flyers... Oh, dude, dude that, that just, guy hit that woman. That wow. guy just hit
0: that girl. Damn. Yeah,
1: and then he just falls on top. Oh, man, he just oh, she, decked her. That's Yo, she's crazy. wearing a
0: Gronk jersey. She's okay, though. She's okay.
1: Here comes the cops. Watch him just body surf. Ah, oh, wow. Look at these whores.
0: Oh, come on. I mean, you know, she may have been promiscuous in her day, but that's I'm that's saying that's what the cops said, you know? not what I said. All right, all right, all right. Uh Luke, we've always escalate how how you can get higher in a more fun way. Here's how you get high camping. Luke, you into this? Yes. <laughs> Nothing says America like a flag shirt and a and a and a weed tent.
1: There's a bear shit in the woods. Am I interested? What kind of question is this?
0: <laughs> uh, how quickly would you pass out? Hopefully instantly or what?
1: Yeah, not quick enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, Luke, do you remember that time, speaking of the World MMA Awards, remember that time at, at last year's when Brett Okamoto accosted us and he was drunk as shit and he was oh, like, he was Hey, hammering. guys! Yeah, so here's a story from Oscar Willis on his Mac Life pod with Dan Hooker. It was... Uh... It was funny because i couldn't couldn't hear the crowd really like you get so in it you couldn't really hear it uh and then brett okamoto was there and he was so hammered he just came and got in my corner in between rounds i was like fucking kill him kill him and i had to be like dude shut up like i actually had to say to him dude i can't like you're just being so loud right now (laughs) we got a a
1: party with oaks we got a party with (laughs) oaks
0: Uh, Bro Komodo may be uh, better looking than all of us, Luke, but can this guy handle his liquor or what? Because he basically said the same thing to us. I hope you guys win.
1: Yeah. Yeah, dude, Uh, he had that look where he he was going to be the guy who could assure you with glassy eyes that he could drive home no problem. I mean, I don't think he did drive home, No, but I'm saying he's got that kind of energy like, I can drive home. Shut your mouth, you know? Of
0: of course, that was Oscar Willis referencing his – Look, he was part of that program, right? That Wim to Warrior, what do they call it now? Ultra? Ultra, yeah, he was part of that program, and of course we saw that video of him winning his uh, amateur debut. Shout out, despite Brett getting in his way. Uh, look, it's Christmas party time, holiday party, whatever you celebrate. Don Jr. had a party at his house. He hired Kid Rock as DJ and entertainment. Uh, tickling the ivories here. Would you have been down for this?
1: I would rather just have someone spit Ebola into my fucking mouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Imagine just showing up to Don Jr.'s Christmas party, like, yo, we got Kid Rock over there spinning records. It's like, okay, okay, yeah,
1: okay. okay. I'd I just be like, look, did Don Jr. Sn- uh, sniff all the coke yet, or is there some for the rest of us? Oh,
0: really no wow, wow. All right, hey, it's time for MMA fighters in the wild. Luke, here's Chuck Liddell at the uh, at the Bat Company. Um, Luke, at what point is he not allowed to wear that haircut and dye it black? He's yeah, 70? and also
1: it's like you know what's up with the what's up with the with the black eye there, Chucky. I mean,
0: <laughs> uh, what do you think of his ability to take rips here, Luke? Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, uh, yeah, okay. he's uh, he's still terrifying, but yeah, all right. Hey, yeah, look, I, mean, I, I wouldn't
1: uh, I wouldn't test him, but you know,
0: Luke, my live chat debuted last week, and people asked me uh, which UFC fighter would I most like to be able to see how good they can dunk. I said John Jones, but then people were like, Nah, bro, there's footage of it. I found the footage. Here we go. This is from like a decade ago.
1: That's John in the tank top. First of all, the other guy is tall as shit, because John's my height or a little bit more. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. oh, oh, oh
0: God. Oh, God. Uh, Gaff says that's Al Horford in the video, Luke. Oh, I was
1: about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is him. Yeah.
0: Oh, God. Apparently that doesn't translate, Luke. Oh, wow, okay. You know, I mean, Different that Different kinds
1: of athletes, you know. That's
0: true. That is true. Uh, speaking of MMA fighters in the wild, here's Hasbula in a public park. Luke, just living life large, is, right? Is
1: this dude's 15 minutes up yet?
0: <laughs> no, I'm back on the train. I love me some Hasbula, Okay, Luke. that
1: cart is fucking slick. I'll say that. That little thing he's driving?
0: Dude, everything he does is slick for the most part, right? I don't know
1: about all that, but this is yeah.
0: pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Well, Hasbula was able to stick the landing. Let's see if this guy can. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) See, that's why, yeah. hope Hope you
1: got a dentist, you dumb bitch.
0: Yeah, that's why you don't sodomize on the dirt bike, Luke. I mean, what are we doing, right?
1: It's like, dude, you're already in a poor country. You don't have to make life worse. Okay, okay.
0: Uh, Luke, no surprise on this next daredevil feat, but Dana White also declined doing this. Let's check out the videotape.
1: Oh! Is this, uh, dude, what is up? What is up with Honky's jumping? Is this, off of
0: <laughs> is this Bill's Mafia tryouts, Luke? I think that guy passed. Right? He also died. But you know that was great. Yeah, it's it pretty good. It's like, good. dude,
1: these guys are like, man, ain't nothing going right in my life. I'm trying to get me a Darwin Award.
0: Yep, yep. Hey, your KO of the week takes us to this karate pit, Luke. Let's see this. Oh.
1: Hit him with the bop gun. That was nice.
0: Ooh, is that a rolling thunder or no? What is that?
1: No, this would be like some kind of like capoeira or I, I'd have to see it again.
0: I bet you Chef Cass can do that, Luke, while Probably. cooking a meal. Yeah, damn. Yeah, so that's wow. some
1: kind of scorpion kick. I'm not I'm not entirely certain, Ooh. but it was nice.
0: I'd like to see that in MMA if it's possible. Hey, you want to see the biggest hot dog in the world, Luke? This may answer the question, is a hot dog a sandwich? According to this lady, yes.
1: The, the world's stupidest debate.
0: <laughs> look at the size like, of that wiener, though, Luke, like, right? Like,
1: is a hot dog a sandwich is the debate that people have who don't read books.
0: Okay, there but this go. proves that it is a sandwich, right? Look at that grinder roll. Shit what
1: it is. Call it a sandwich, call it a hot dog, it makes no difference. The classification is somewhat irrelevant anyway. And also, that's a... First of all, that's not even like a hot dog. That's like a big-ass kielbasa and baguette.
0: Yeah, I've seen scenes like this turn into adult films, Luke. I mean, to be honest with you, like, look at the unit on that. That uh, sausage, Wow. All right, Luke. It's time for the world famous rate that tat, Luke Thomas. Let's start off. Speaking of hot dogs, let's check this out. Very naturally find that you can't help. You know. You know, if I hadn't been diagnosed with uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, Luke, I may have considered this for my my left arm. First of all, they
1: didn't even get the stenciling right. Oh wow! Look at that guy's
0: head. Look at that guy's head. Now, obviously, that's sacrilege to put a cross, Luke, on your forehead with hot dogs on it, but. Part of me can't appreciate that. Part of you. There there
1: are people out here living just for the internet lulls until they realize this is like truly one of the dumbest fucking things you can do. Also, I got to tell you, there's not a lot of tattoo artists who would actually do a tattoo like this, either for faces generally or some kind of stupid message. More importantly than that, like you have to find the right kind of person for that.
0: Yeah, find that guy. I mean, look at his hair. Look at this
1: bozo. I mean, this is. um, yeah, a future Darwin Award winner, if ever there was one. Congratulations, now, if you
0: found sir. out he was an MK fan, what would you do?
1: I'd ask him to get castrated.
0: <laughs> okay, life may do that to him, uh, regardless of your opinion, though. Uh, let's go to this rate that... tat. So, Luke, Brendan Schaub did a nice dad move. And Are we, do, are
1: we doing this bit? Are we doing this bit? You're going to ask no, me to I'm rate Brendan No, I'm not here to Schaub's make fun kid. of him.
0: Luke, he's got the, the chombies on his arm. Those are his kids on his arm. In zombie mode, I wanted you to comment on the, well, you know, look, you were willing to tell Mr. Hebas, great intention, bad execution. What are your thoughts on these?
1: I don't understand them. Um, I don't quite understand why he would want kids as zombies. I don't know what the Is there a story behind that? What's the I story? I think it's cuz
0: one of his kids can't pronounce zombies, so he says him he calls them chomby so he wanted to get that on his zombies. arm to remember it.
1: I mean, I guess that's okay. Um the left one is okay. The, the left one's okay. The right one is not my fave. Um probably not nothing I would do. I'll put it that I way. I mean, I
0: wouldn't get tattoos of my kids with exposed brains, but look, people live different lives and that's cool, okay?
1: Yeah, but like again, the tattoo's not for you. It's for him and his family. So like
0: same thing with Mr. Hebas. Yet you're like, yo, yo, boss, nah, brah. Yeah, Ain't I know. But we're asking,
1: You're asking me to. Because listen, I realize that there is a large economy of people who love to insult Brendan, and I understand that. But you know, I don't need to contribute to that marketplace for it to thrive. So I'll okay. just leave it as
0: is. Don't keep that same energy. They don't need you, Luke. All right, at all. all right. Uh, let's go not one right. more tattoo. I'm not, they I'm, call not, this... I'm
1: not telling anyone to stop. The world is going to do what it's going to do. But
0: here's some hectic white lightning. What are your thoughts on this tattoo?
1: Um, so he's getting an all-white lightning. It just looks like he's got a, con- a disease.
0: He looks like he's got psoriasis. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. All right, there you go. It's like, hey, yeah, you go got
1: the- bit by a zombie. Uh, there you go.
0: Look, if you're willing to enter a rodeo, you got to be willing to get the horn. Sometimes it happens.
1: Uh- <laughs> oh, no. Is Big Bertha oh, no. about to get airlifted oh, here? Oh, God.
0: Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh,
1: wow. You Dude, know these bulls, man. That's not even a big ass bull. Like these big bulls, man. They they are different creatures, bro.
0: Yeah, look at Big a Bertha take
1: air. Big Bertha yeah. had more air, like under that one, than John Jones did trying to dunk. Like, yo, oh, I got boy. ups.
0: Oh my god. Uh, you know, call a call in a superhero to try to pull this move off. Let's see if Spider Man can handle it. Look.
1: Yo, Spider Man's been <laughs> at the buffet, huh? <laughs>
0: Look this at those spidey Spider Man
1: Spider-Man is so fucking fat here. That you can see his neck because the part of the neck that the mask is supposed to cover can't reach it.
0: Uh, Luke, this two and a half hour show will end with one more clip. Uh, Fight of the Week took place at a Wawa. Let's check it out.
1: Oh, my <laughs> I mean,
0: yo, crack kills, brother. Wow.
1: Just look at this gross. I'm rubbing, looking at him rubbing his ass over everything. <laughs> Dude, If you don't sit and look at his belly hanging out above his fupa, bro, if you don't, if you don't burn this Wawa to the ground, you are the, the health, the health code violation should be extraordinary.
0: Dude, got, look, how look, at shoes this, come look at this man's
1: gross pimply. He, his ass is so pimply. It looks like he sat on a porcupine. Look at it.
0: I mean, look. They say you are what you eat. All the food in that Wawa is is uh,
1: just burn it. Just burn yeah, the inventory. Just, just burn shit. it and collect the yeah. insurance money. It's over. It's over. Uh, this port- guy. This guy. This guy teabagged and ass rubbed <laughs> every condiment in that thing. There's gonna be man- some guy who like reaches for his like gum there or Splenda. Know, like, he Dude, keeps why COVID- does this equal smell like balsa?
0: <laughs> you notice the guy in the uh, supplying the guillotine is keeping his COVID mask on, Luke, just to prevent. Yeah, any you know he's trying to be diseases. he's trying to
1: be safe. He's trying to be safe. What do you think That's about the, the only-
0: technique of of his submission here? Can you comment on that?
1: Uh, you know, well, when you rest your gunt on top of it, uh,
0: yeah. All right, this fight's still going on, Luke. Oh, I mean, oh, should... look at that!
1: Look at that man ass! Look at that man ass!
0: <laughs> should Herb Dean stand him up at this point and separate him? I mean, what are we doing? Oh, look at that! Right to the jewels,
1: dude! He's punching him. I mean, like, what is happening, dude? This is
0: oh, <laughs> oh no! Full moon, full moon, dude, moon fever. Dude, look at how that! How
1: many things is this man's ass gonna touch?
0: Go full screen. I got to see how this ends. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, dude, he's got dude. a tramp stamp. Dude, he's Listen, got a tramp
1: stamp. I saw a guy. No. Oh. Dude, just burn everything. Burn it, burn oh my it to the God. ground. There's no coming back from it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Look at his feet. Somehow his feet are less dirty than his ass.
0: Dude, this fight's still going on under Pride rules right now. Look at this. By the way,
1: why is everyone in this Wawa 700
0: pounds? Because <laughs> they eat there, Luke. All right, that's it. Wow. All right. Oh, boy. Yeah. That guy's yeah, a good one. You
1: had a good one there. You had no, this a good is one like,
0: This is like Kimbo versus the late Sean Gannon right here, Luke. They'll never Dude, be the same is, after
1: this. This is Kimbo versus Dada. Yeah, but you better get out of there, champ. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just go. Just go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we did three hours today. Why? Why would we do that? I don't know.
1: I, yeah, I missed my dentist appointment because of this, so I'm really oh, happy about that. Oh,
0: Thanks no, you. no.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. I uh, have to call them now, so that's great.
0: All right. Well, Luke, just to let people know about boxing, um, Niowa Inoue, my number one pound-for-pound fighter on the CBS Sports Rankings, is going to take on Paul Butler tomorrow morning in Asia fight, for actually. all... F- I'm sorry? It's a good fight. Yeah. For all four titles at 118 pounds, another undisputed championship tomorrow morning. I believe the main event is expected to start at 6 a.m. But, Luke, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to be handling the recap for CBS Sports. I don't know. Maybe I'll F around with an MK reaction if it's worthy. Who who knows, right?
1: All right. Could be fun. Could be fun. Um, that is it for us today. Reminder, morning Combat at gmail.com. Wednesday's fan subs. Friday's dead wrong is the place to go. Uh, showtime.com get a 30-day free trial if you like I mean, it you can keep guy, it if not you that, know.
0: that guy's ass was all over the sunglasses and everything i mean I know, it was it's like dude, you can't
1: get some woman twerking you have to look at a some 400 pound <laughs> living in a van down by the river unshowered <laughs>
0: you know i hope the fight was over like a politics or like abortion or something look right no you know i mean?
1: hope it was over who got the last slice of like you know can uh, uh I, don't, I don't know i don't know what the fuck see that's um, why
0: i support sheets gas stations and not wawa for this type of crap all right
1: yeah you don't see people doing that over schmuffins and <laughs> no, no,
0: no. i've taken a heavy sheets before in that in that location too but uh no. Uh, hold on. i do
1: we gotta i gotta call my dentist office now because i gotta figure out what i'm gonna fucking do all right so uh let's see uh showtime.com is labeled that pay showtime.com get a 30-day free trial if you like it you can keep it if not you can bounce uh morningcombat.store for the merch don't forget money lion money lion money lion money lion. go to moneylion.com for slash morning combat for more information and of course hammer of the month hashtag for anyone from the belts card anyone from the ufc card even the boxing card if, if your fancy is tickled in such a way so there you go bc any final
0: thoughts um no no i'm good i'm good at this point you know it's been a long time
1: it's been a long, <laughs> a long time. time it's been a long it's been A big, day. big we weekend a though
0: time. happy to be happy to watch all those fights this morning and get ready for this show but we made it we got to the finish line
1: all right uh bc glad you're back we have a long show uh week in front of us so let's call it a day today for bc for malka for showtime for cbs sports i'm luke thomas and the great mk uh staff and crew here we'll see you guys on wednesday maybe tomorrow after the anyway fight oh Check by, out. by
0: merch Buy merch by Wednesday if you wanted to get it by Christmas. Morning, that's right. There you, there you have Thank it. You, so Wednesday
1: ahead. is the deadline for uh, if you want to get it by Christmas. So until then, may all of your gains be loyal.